everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, we are the official podcast of the MTG at Home Discord server. My name is Brad, and I am joined today by just Alex today. Matt is unfortunately still numb from going to the dentist, so he can't really talk. Alex, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I've had a bit of a slow day, but uh, I think I said the exact same last week, but I once again had a slow Wednesday. So good to end on uh, recording the podcast. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't want to end it any other way either. I I had to deal with uh, 10-year-olds all day, so I am more than happy to have a little bit of a break. And now you get to deal with me? Yeah, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was setting myself up for that. Oh, yeah, uh... certainly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anything new with you so far besides work? No, not not that much going on. Mostly just work. Had my brother's birthday yesterday, and uh, that's it, really. Nice. Well, we do have a lot of stuff to go over to this week. Um, we got some challenges results. Uh, we I actually put up a nice, cool little uh, poll on the uh, Pioneer subreddit, so we'll talk about that in a bit kind of get a little bit of a community uh i guess idea or thoughts on the format itself and you know a few other uh, i guess new formats but we'll get there in a bit so first things first we have some challenges and i guess a handful of leagues now challenges alex all right so i don't know exactly what happened but for some reason, there's a section of the audio that just completely cuts out and it just cuts in and out for both of our voices, Alex's and mine. And yeah, we're sitting there talking about the challenge on the third, which was won by Jun Sacrifice. And we're kind of going back and forth into why we think the deck suddenly popped up and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm just going to go right back into it and it's going to pick it off. That's good. In a, Turn three, you know, pick up in a weird spot. Start- but, you know. Start on an LBA to get a Priest of Forgotten Gods on turn two. Uh, they have also started running Lotus Cobra, but I think that doesn't allow you to get a turn three Citadel. But you can, like, turn three Citadel people, sure. Like, Yeah. I mean, there's also a couple of Agadine's Awakening, but yeah, I don't see how two Cobra and two Awakening can make that much of a difference for this deck. I mean, I, it seems to have also cut a little bit on the lands. But I like the idea uh, that the Agadim's Awakening uh, gives you sort of a land and a spell, right? Yeah. So you 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 can have a little bit of a land count because you know you're probably gonna have like lands on the field in order to do that bolas the citadel. It does run fewer one dorks. It's only four gilded goose, two elves. So I'm I'm just sure. I mean, I think the deck is good, right? I, I was sold mm-hmm. on the deck quite early, and I still think it can... I mean, as you see, it can put up results. But it might be, like, just a bit of a fluke for this week, because I, I don't see, like, a specific thing where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why Junt Sacrifice is suddenly a good deck again. Yeah, and if anything, I see the opposite for why you'd want to play Junt Sacrifice, because we're seeing, of course, uh, you know, more four color omnath big wreck things there's a lot of like ramp type style stuff um we're seeing the omnath effect from standard kind of trickle into pioneer obviously um which it's literally a 
straight up. We talked about this last week. It's basically a port from standard with the band cards, Uro and uh, slash rotated, I guess, Uro and uh, Teferi and Grow Spiral. And that seems like an atrocious, absolutely atrocious matchup for Jun Sacrifice or any sacrifice pile, right? I, I don't understand how yeah, that. I, I watched well. it on uh, on Versus Live. I think it was Jun Sacrifice versus uh, Four Color Omnath. I think they had the exact same point. And they played it out, and some of the games looked kind of pathetic. Granted, yeah. uh, Corey's draw on the deck was absolutely terrible. I think at one point he was stuck on five mana, and he drew three copies of Bolas' Citadel in a row or something. So <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. But, yeah, like, I think you just have to, like, very consistency sort of, like, turbo out in, like, a turn three or four Citadel. Like it, it boards in four fatal push four thoughtsies. Right, so you're you're definitely in on the slowing your opponents down till you can sit it all off plan. Yeah. It even runs a I see it. Distended distended mindbender. It's the emerge creature that hand attacks your opponents twice. Which I guess is kinda cool. I love that card. I I played that card in uh, one of the older versions of um Dredgeless Dredge in my sideboard. It was great against Inverter. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Got some Scavenging Ooze, some Midnight Reaper. Kind of the... That's kind of the usual suspect. Well, Midnight Reaper is a bit of a funny one on the sideboard. I know he's doing Grim Harris specs. I don't know what the particular difference is. Uh, I think... Oh! Uh, Grim Harris specs doesn't trigger on tokens. So that's probably why I want the Midnight Reaper. Oh, actually, Midnight Reaper doesn't trigger on tokens either. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, Wait, sure. now, I wanna, now I want to look that card up. Now I'm surprised. Harris, Vex, TG. I mean, while you're looking up that, I mean, so we have some other decks in the top eight that, you know, at this point we've kind of expected. Things like uh, Jeskai Luka getting second place, Mono Black Aggro still there at third. We have an Orzov Ors list, which actually you had a good point that you wanted to bring up about uh, that. I'll get uh, back to you in a sec. The Grim Harris Vex doesn't trigger on itself, and Midnight Reaper does. Uh, so when okay. you kill the Reaper, it still replaces itself, and Harris Vex doesn't. Um, but yeah, and then we had some four-color Omnath in top eight. Gruel mid-range, so we're still seeing the pathway lands make a difference here. Uh, Lotus combo at number seven, and a oops, all spells, number eight. So we're definitely seeing a lot of the decks that we've come to <laughs> know and love, I guess, depending on if uh, if you're feeling great about some of these decks. Uh, they're the usual suspects, right? Now, I do want to go back, because I said that you had something interesting about Orzop Auras. I know we talked about this earlier today off-cast about how, at least in regards to the top eight, ever since we saw you know Selesnya kind of do its thing, it's still a deck that's popping up, but we're seeing a bit more representation of Orzov over Selesnya. Now, now granted, I... Um, I probably didn't go down enough further in the challenge, because in the, in the other challenge, I think it's mostly Orzov. But in this challenge, there are actually four copies of Celestia Auras. Oh yeah, I see that. And I think only one copy of Orzov Auras. So Celestia is actually... I, I was just confused because, again, looking on the right, it says five copies of Orzov Auras. But that's just because Goldfish groups everything. So it's actually one Orzov Auras and four Celestia Auras. So that actually makes Celestia Auras uh, the second most... Sorry, the third most played deck. Just below four color, uh, yeah. four color Omnath. But if we look at the other one, it seems like Orzov Auras kind of just 
just outperforms it, like it places a little bit higher. Yeah, I don't think I see a single Selesnya Auras in the other challenge. I think it actually is all Orzhov. No, that's all Orzhov. Yeah, so that's four copies there. So we're yeah, seeing that... five to four right now. Yeah, and that actually puts four copies of... Uh, actually, in the other challenge, it's two copies of Orzhov Auras in the top eight. But we'll we'll get to that. Now, obviously, yeah. these are all, like, small, right? Like, being eighth or eleventh in a challenge is effectively the same. Right? Like, you end up playing like one or two fewer rounds but like you could just have like literally your matchups you could be both you could both be 5-0 but because of how your opponent match win percentage is one ends up in top eight and one ends up like 15th so and you uh and you mentioned an interesting spot there you said eighth or 11th speaking of 11th and we take a look on the third we have a familiar face uh, just bubbling outside of the top eight. Who's that? By, by the way, for the audience, this was actually not planned. This was just Brad being sharp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Mr. Merriam, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, one of our favorite content creators and just pro players in general. Um, and this list I am except absolutely he, in love with. Except he keeps talking about sports I don't watch. But aside from that, I love Ross. Okay, well, I watch the sports, <laughs> so I'm fine with it. <laughs> Yeah, Orzo of Humans. Look at that. It's it's very much like the the deck of old, like at the start of the format. Yeah. Where we saw people just go like mono one drops in white. Except Banalish Marshall has been replaced by General Kudro. Uh there's Luminarch Aspirant in the deck, and obviously Dire Tactics. And going into black gives you some cards like Fatal Boost Nazis. Yeah. Uh more copies of Dire Tactics. A worse mana base, but you could probably easily play two colors. I don't see that being an issue. Oh, especially with the Orzov uh, pathway now. I think that's pretty Yeah, good. like, uh, every source in the deck can tap for white if you need to. So yeah. even though you're running all mono one-drops, one like, sometimes you're going to have your bright climb pathway enter as whatever the backside is called. Uh, uh, grime, uh, grime, grime climb. climb? Ew! So it's, <laughs> I don't so like it's, that at all. <laughs> it's bright climb and grime, grime climb. Just looks uh, like you're like getting out of the sewers or something. That just That's sounds awful. disgusting. I whoever named that needs to just not get fired. Let's not get drastic, but they they need to get a stern talking to. It's like okay, <laughs> the, f- <laughs> the flavor text on grime climb is even funnier. My mother wanted me to take over the family dry goods business, but no, I had to come here. I don't like what the implication is there. I mean, I'm just more thinking, like, who, what the hell is a dry goods business? <laughs> uh, like, I guess, like trying... meat, oats, and things like that? Yeah, like, so, someone comes into your shop, and it's like, I'm really thirsty, do you sell water? And it's like, get out of here with your wet... <laughs> Your wet business. Your wet pa- propaganda. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We don't sell wet goods here. <laughs> it's like a bulk nation. Uh, okay, I, I don't think you have that over there, um, but do you have any just bulk stores, like bulk goods stores? Like, like you know, they sell like ground tea, like coffee beans and, and things like that, and it's a lot of like seasonings and extracts. I mean, yeah, just not as common, but we do have them. Okay, so, it's that, but no, no beverages. Yeah, no beverages. It's just, just just gooey and dry goodness. I guess if you only run dry stuff, it's much easier to like, like do like climate management in your shop though, because it's harder to spoil it. I guess uh, like, you yeah. just you just have to keep everything dry, which is generally what you try and do in a building anyway. 
So that you're saying it could not exist in Florida because it's disgusting down here. It was absolutely oh, no. so humid as hell. There, no, that. Oh, now I, I suppose we have confirmed that Grime Glide Pathway is just set in Florida. <laughs> you know what? Actually, that's an accurate representation because I walked outside today and like the kids wanted to go. Like they they have a scheduled snack time at ten, and I usually say, "Okay, look, this is a democracy. We're gonna vote." Who wants to go outside? Who wants to stay inside? And it was like seven to six in favor of going outside uh, today. Small class. Um, and the second I walked outside, I'm like, this is disgusting. This is the grossest thing I've ever done. I hate it when it's like this. Why did you even want to come out here? I feel gross. But uh, but yeah, back to the list. Yes. The, the, the list is cool. The one thing I don't get, I'd actually like to know Ross's opinion on this. Um, the two legions landing feel kind of weird to me. Like I get it. It's that that land is really powerful. Um, but the, it's that lack of synergy that makes me kind of confused. Um, but maybe just the land flipping is, is good enough, I guess. I think you want the land flipping and you just, you just want an X amount of one drops, right? Just for your venerated Loxodon. Yeah. So I, I guess it's kind of like you could, it's 19 lands and two legions landing. You could go like 20 lands and add like a regular one drop, maybe add like an extra giant killer or something. But this kind of looks like a list that started with more legions landing and just eventually started trimming the legions landing, but there's still some left. Yeah, you could say the same about the dire tactics, only running a one of in the main. Yeah, I always find that a little bit funny in decks like this. It sort of has this because there is two more in the, in the sideboards, and then postboard you go up to three. Yeah. It's like, what are you trying to sort of achieve with one in your main You're like oh but if i draw that just at that the right little, time yeah that little exile their arrow whoo i got them well i guess you look at the other numbers so we see a three of uh, general kudro uh two of giant killer two of kithian which the giant killer kithian two ofs make sense to me kithian is a legendary so you don't want a bunch of those giant killer is a utility kind of card so you don't really want four of those anyway um, and then there's would, three of uh, Lumerarch, uh, Luminarch uh, Aspirant, Aspirant, which is a new card, which I love this card in this deck. Um, which, uh, for those who don't know, it's from Zenikar Rising, one in a white, a 1-1 one, one human cleric. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on a target creature that you control. So kind of feeding into that pseudo plus one, plus one counter theme. I mean, I suppose the upside is that you can like bump something out of like three damage sweeper range or something. It feels a little bit random because it does kind of come down as a two mana two two, but I guess that's a fine floor. Yeah. Like if there, it, this is probably just like if there would be like if the next set like in call time we get a good one mana human, you probably just run that. Speaking of good one mana humans, um, the one that had the party mechanic built in or whatever from Zenigar, uh, I expected to priestess, see that one. Priestess of Iona? Um, Iona? Yeah, so something, Priest of yeah, Iona. I, I like that card. I thought at worst, the majority of the time, it came down but, as a one mana 2-2. Two -two. Uh, the problem is this deck is almost exclusively soldiers and knights. There's soldiers, knights, peasants... Because it is a cleric, that card. And then Venerated Loxodon is also a cleric, so it actually doesn't do anything. And, uh, and the thing Luminar is, not... is a cleric. Yeah. yeah, the other one is warrior. So there's no warrior, no wizard, and no rogues. So I guess it's just a woman I want to all the time. Maybe if you lean more into 
that black splash as opposed to being solely I mean, white. You can. You go would probably like just a, have to build your deck differently. A little bit, yeah. I think uh, it's something worth considering. But yeah, I I did forget about. I thought it was soldier for some reason, not warrior. That makes a bit more sense. I mean, especially to keep in mind when like the D and D set comes out, right? Because I'm pretty sure that yeah. even like outside of the D and D set, probably the coming year. We're definitely gonna see like card designs probably like slanted towards if it can be a warrior, it's a warrior. If it's gonna be, if we can make it a rogue, let's make it a rogue. So yeah. I I can see this like morphing and getting a little bit of a party sub theme. I would probably want like a card similar to Archpriest of Iona, so they can kind of like work off each other. So like already having those two cards is kind of a one-two punch. Like maybe like literally the same card, but it's a warrior. Right, and then you have both, so they can yeah. kind of play off each other. <clears throat> now, before we move on off of this deck, because I mean we'll actually bring it up a little bit later too, but I want to ask you a question: If you were to play humans right now in Pioneer, would you play something akin to this style of a build, or would you play the four-color Coco build with like Rogue right. Fighter and stuff? If I could pick what I think is cool, I would go for the four-color route because it just looks way cooler, and I like casting Collected Company in my creature decks. But mm. I think if I want the best deck, I think this is actually a really good deck. Like again, this was played on versus live. It actually beat uh, a Yorion Fires of Invention Omnath style deck. Mm -hmm. um, which had like the most brutal sideboard ever because they went at the sideboard and he's like yeah I'm going to bring in three anger of the gods and four supreme verdict and I was like oh okay this is this is over and he actually won with the mono white hmm. deck in like wow. a, a game that went long so, so he got through like multiple sweepers uh, yeah Fucus he remembered selfless spirit which I don't see here so maybe he like innovated on that later but yeah that's like I would probably just cut the Luminarchus uh, Aspirin for Selfless Spirit or something. Like, to have that sweeper protection. I find Luminarch Ascension to be a little bit of a questionable card in this deck. It more looks like you just want to play some of the new cards. Mm -hmm. Not because it's actually a good card. I mean, it's a, it's a good card individually. I just don't know if it goes in this plan. Like, I would much rather have Selfless Spirit and go for, like, one drop, one drop, one drop, uh, Selfless Spirit, Venerated, Loxodon, and now you're protected against a wipe, and you just win next turn. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think, I don't know, I, I'm a little bit higher on it than you are. Uh, now, if only Selfless Spirit was a human, but it does go into your party, it is a cleric. So, if I you mean, another cleric. Route... So, that is actually a cleric, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. the problem I have with Luminarch Aspirant is the longer the game lasts, the better this card is. But the longer the game lasts, the lower the chance that you win with your White Weenie deck. Yeah, so it, it it feels like it's sort of pivoting your deck the other way. It's sort of like these insurance cards. And it's like, I don't want that in my aggro deck. I want my aggro deck to go as fast as possible. That's why you're playing aggro. So to play like one card that is a little bit mopey, but it like gives you a 1% higher win chance if the game goes longer. And it's like, yeah, but I would just want to play more cards that make it so the game doesn't go longer. Like Selfless Spirit. That's true. Now, I know Ross did do a write-up on this list, and uh, in the write-up, he um, the article he did, he did mention that he felt pretty low on the one Selfless Spirit in the side that he had at one point. Um, that and Rest in Peace, he said. He would rather just focus on, like, disruption. 
uh, against stuff uh, rather than rest in peace. But but there there is no selfless spirit in the challenge. So he probably already like decided that afterwards, or like did it the other way around. He had it at first and then said I'm quite low on it and cut it for the challenge. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, before we go to the other challenge, any other decks that kind of stand out to you? I mean, we see a, a um, huge amount of mono black aggro. Uh, that's still it's actually twenty five percent of this uh, challenge. Uh, eight copies in the top thirty two. So that's big representation, yeah, mon right? Mono black is still very popular, but I think it's generally a, a deck that people like or don't mind playing against. It's mm -hmm. not the type of deck that people are quick to hate. Because it's okay. not like mono red, right? Where you get these fuel bats where you feel like you're winning the game and then they burn you out. Um, it doesn't have the control thing where oh, I don't get to do anything. It's not combo. It kind of feels sort of like the fairest type of deck and just very powerful. Now, one thing, because I don't see much else in this challenge that really like blows me away. A lot of stuff we've seen. We know how the Lotus combo works. We've seen Omnath piles. Uh, Celestia Aura shows up here. One thing I do want to briefly mention about the humans deck still is a thing that I've said on this cast a couple of times about certain decks, but this is again a good entry-level deck. Because it's quite a straightforward deck by default, right? Like you just tell someone like, hey, remember the white weenie deck from Ravnica? Yeah, well, it's that. Mm. So it's a deck that's pretty easy to pick up. It's generally not the most expensive deck. I mean, this deck is like almost 200 bucks in paper, but that's also because there's Thoughtseize in the deck. Um, and some Gideon ally of Zendikar. Um, Kithian here. Like, I can imagine this is just the type of deck where people just have most of the cards lying around. Right? You've got some Godless Shrines, you've got your Thoughtseizes. Like, hey, you want to get into Pioneer? Play this. And it's good to have have choice. right? We now see, like, we've got Burn, that's a good deck. This, that's a good deck. Auras is a good deck. I mean, Ors of Auras and this deck actually share most of the expensive cards in the Godless Shrines and the Thought Seizes. So you could even like have both quite easily. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um I like it's just decks. nice. Someone wants to get into the format, has a bit of a has a bit of a budget. You're like, you know what, you know, you've got these four options to pick from. And that's always fun. People like having options. Especially if they're coming in from like modern, where they already have some thought seizes, yeah. Things like that. I said they're going to have their shocks. They're going to have their thought seizes. Uh, they probably have some of the. They might still have their Gideons or something, right? They've, they're going to have some mm -hmm. cards lying around, and or their selfless spirits. And then yeah. this is a good deck, good place to start. Now, now looking, looking at, at the other the challenge. Other yeah, you go. Great minds think alike, Brad. Yes, sir. Um, I suppose I'll I'll have a look at the the top eight here, read those out first. So it was one by Lotus Combo. Um, then there's Four Color Reclamation, Ors of Auras, Niftalite, Ors of Auras again, Mono Black Aggro, another Lotus Combo, and the Humans list again. This time piloted by <laughs> Yuzum Jin, but then Jin is spelled like the drink. Clever, Clever. Man. Which I believe is the exact same 75 as Ross. Yeah, this yeah. is the exact same 75. So he just saw Ross's list. He's like, yep, cool. sounds cool. And you know, and I think this was 4th of October. That's the Sunday challenge. Oh, yeah, woke up hungover. It's like, I would like to play the challenge. And it's like, yeah, that's a cool deck. I'll, I'll, I've got that. You know, just typed it into the mana traders. They're like, oh, I'm sure. I, I don't think they're going to they're gonna be run out of Boros elites. Like they're probably gonna have that card. Which, by the way, what a cool card! 
I really like Boros Elite whenever it shows up. It's a one minus three three in this deck. I mean, that's good. Boros Elite feels like uh, feels like that card that if you go to like a GP or go to an event and you go to all the vendors and no one has it, you're like, okay, does anyone have this? Damn card that I can borrow, please. Yeah. I was like, you have Boros <laughs> Elite, and everyone's like, Boros, what? <laughs> why? Why would I bring that? Yeah, why what? would I bring Boros Elite? I don't. And you're like, I need it, please. <laughs> why would you not have Boros Elite? Uh, then we see another like, I said Winoda again. Yeah, I love it when they call Winoda Naya mid range. Yeah, I get excited for half a second, and then I remember Goldfish does the thing. So. <laughs> It's like okay, look. I think Winota is a cool deck. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's come on, just, just say it's deck. just say Naya Winota, because like, bro, because it's actually called Naya Winota in the summary. So metagame summary, it's named Naya Winota, and then in the deck list, it's called Naya Midrange. But anyway, so yeah, like we don't have as much to cover in that sense, because like we know these decks, right? If you're familiar with the format, you know these decks. You you know Lotus Combo. Uh, now going with like uh. Spear into the abyss, uh, still the Fey of Wishes stuff. Dig through time, being like a four-off in these decks now. Uh, I am seeing Balagat recovery, which is like slight redemption for me because I hadn't seen that card being played yet. I guess it just yeah. makes sense, right? If you have a million mana, like, oh yeah, I would like to have another Spear into the abyss. Oh, uh, and as I then point out, uh, they also run Grazer. So yeah, played as a tap land on turn one with your Grazer because it's gonna enter tapped anyway because of Grazer. So it's a uh, nice con fit. Continuing the theme of the last two years of just giving creatures reach for no reason. Yep, Arboreal Grazer, secret reach. Yeah, I always forget. It's secret reach. Every green creature has reach. Except like the creatures that probably should. Hey, like, here's this uh, god dinosaur. The, the one, no, the, no, the the goddess from uh Theros. Um so it's an N. She's a giant uh, archer. What are we towering oh over the trees? Yeah, she's a giant archer and she doesn't have reach. Uh, God, how did I, how did I forget the name of this card? I run it in commander cards. Um, wait, Oath of the Hunt probably features her name on it. Uh, is it called Oath? Omen of the Hunt? Yeah, we don't get oaths anymore. I'm it's getting like D and D stuff here. <laughs> oh come on! This person's name isn't even on there. Okay, the the green god we all know it. Like Nylia. Sure, I'll take your word for it. I have I have I no way of confirming for you. I think it's Nylia. The internet um, is in front of me, but I have no way of understanding if it's, yeah, uh, if it's have, true or not. <laughs> we we have no way of confirming whether or not this name is true. So we're just going to roll with it. Yeah, Ors of Auras. Uh, now one thing that is um. Fun to point out against the Ors of Auras is that they've all started to play Stone Coil Serpent. And I even saw, I don't know if it was one from the um from the challenges. Oh my god, but... it's another creature with hidden reach. Yeah, Stone Coil Serpent has hidden reach too. I mean it's kind of greenish, right? Yeah, but the <laughs> um the other one being played by Ixidor's Dream, which is third place in this challenge, actually packed a soldier of the Pantheon. So, in the humans deck, but we we weren't going to name all the one-drops in humans because we'd be here all day, but this is a 1-mana 2-1 human soldier. Protection from multicolored. Whenever an opponent casts a multicolored spell, you gain one life. And this person has already gone up to 4 Stone Coil Serpent, so I'm going to assume they just really value the protection from multicolor. Yeah, and I would... That, that's what it looks like. 
I mean, I guess eat your heart out, Niptolite. I mean, I'm not sure what else. I mean, yeah. I mean, like you could just like straight up ram through Omnath and stuff, right? Which is probably why I want to do it. Maybe you're like trying to dodge like Deafening Clarion as a sweeper. Oh, and they can't expansion explosion your creature because um, that's that's multicolored. Um, you can. I make, guess this person just stole a lot of games with protection from multicolor. Especially because yeah. with the Soldier of the Pantheon and Stone Cold Serpent, and let's say Luris, like you'll never play Luris and not being able to buy one back, that's like potentially like six or seven instances no. of your opponent needing monocolored removal. And that's going to stress people out. Having to, like they're going to try and dire tactics, and they're like, ah, oh, that already doesn't work, so I'm going to have to draw a Fatal Push, and I'm trying to Fatal Push, and like, all right, I'll. And uh, Karametra's blessing. It's like, I I think you might just be able to run people out of their removal quicker, which is kind of like what the Celestia deck does too. Yeah. And maybe that's where this deck is like coming in and being like, hey, I don't need this hexproof card because I have this effectively hexproof card, and that's good enough given the meta. Legion landing is a little weird though. I'm seeing that in the uh, the third place. Yeah, I was really surprised by Legion's landing. I didn't. Like, know I, what to make. I, I thought I thought I was looking at the wrong list for a second when I saw that. I'm like, uh. Yeah, I I think the list is cool. More lively creatures. I I suppose so. Um, and like being able to like in longer games like make a token that you can like escape your sentinel's eyes and stuff on. I will say that looking at the two Lotus combos in the top eight, I'm not surprised. Um, seeing the resurgence, or I guess <laughs> resurgence, the trickle down effect from four color rack and all that. Like we were saying, how you know it was weird to see Jun sacrifice win the last challenge uh, because of these decks. Lotus combo is the exact opposite. They're like, yeah, that makes sense because it's going to go over top these giant strategies or not even over top it goes underneath these over top yeah, strategies like oh no you're gaining four life every turn you're dead by the way yeah <laughs> whether or not you, you start at 30 or 20 you're dead you present a turn four turn five kind of you know kill pretty much every game um i mean i've gotten killed by lotus before on turn three so sometimes I mean, they just, just have it niv bear into the abyss yourself boom yeah and then you fave wishes. Um, but yeah, it, super cool. Super cool. I, I, I'm i happy to see it. I kind of want to play it. I just one thing I am surprised when I see the Lotus combo list. Uh, they have all gone off the double cast stuff. We'd seen. We saw them go for like the fork spells. Especially double cast. Sometimes they brought in Rao. And I'm not seeing much of that. Now, I am in no way an expert on this combo. Uh, through uh through peer into the abyss i actually had like a hard time figuring out how this deck actually wins uh so because yeah. it's not as clean cut as it used to be yeah it's just go fave wish grab your niv mizza prune slap on the board yeah, but you, you can your, do with fave of wishes so like this person has one niv mizzard in the main uh because you need um like there's there's no way to find it with Fay of Wishes, but you can run like Mastermind's Acquisition and find it with that. So like I'm still a bit confused about some of the Lotus combo lists, but the overall idea is the same. So when I'm saying like, oh, we've seen this, we've seen this, obviously the diff the lists are gonna differ a little bit, but the idea yeah. is the same. Lotus Field, make a trillion mana, do whatever the hell you want with. 
Yeah, actually, yeah. Now that I'm looking at it, you're right. Um, at least in the in the one the list that won the tournament or the challenge, they I guess I don't know. Um, you go you because you're right. You can't get Div Mizzet, so I guess you go into Omniscience and I just Jace, right? I guess that's the win as you go. Yeah, yeah you just you cast just go, cast I mean, you just go into omniscience and just try and like naturally draw your deck so like bear into the abyss bear into oh, the and abyss then you just, again you just recovery um peer into the abyss and then hit uh you hit your opponent a few times let them just draw and, and lose right their upkeep I, I think you probably just hit yourself with it twice and then when your deck is down to like 10 cards then you just go and do like pour over the pages uh strategic planning and that way, just uh, Seder Wayfinder, and that way, you just get through your own deck. And then you See, grab the Jason and you win. I'm a fan of the more complicated version that runs like Seasons Growth and like uh, all these, like basically like Masterminds Acquisition and stuff like that. You just infinitely loop those like search spells over and over again. And yeah, what was the other into... one with uh, Se- yeah, Seasons Past, right? Yeah, Seasons Past, um, Masterminds Acquisition, and then there was actually one more that had you like pick three cards from the Yeah, the Sultai Ultimatum. I forgot the name. No, it wasn't even that. It was um it was like a black card. Um oh my goodness. It's it's borderline janky. Uh but I'm blanking out on what the name of the card was. I mean, isn't there also they also run the the Tudor, right? The Dark Petition. Like so this yeah. and they like start looping Dark Petition and um Seasons Past or something like that, and then they keep grabbing. Yeah, like, it, it, it was Dark Petition. Yep, you're right. So it was Dark Petition, Seasons Past, um Masterminds Acquisition. Masterminds Acquisition, and you have an infinite loop with those three cards. You just keep recurring them <laughs> back and back and back and back. And then yeah, and, th- and this is why I don't play cards play decks like this. Like uh, I- I'm just gonna go for the Niv Mizzet, Peer into the Abyss myself, you're dead version. I, I, I like the more complicated stuff. Um, now, one card, and I, we don't want to spend too much time on Lotus because it's a pretty straightforward deck, I, I, except we're making it seem like it's really not. Um, I'm surprised there's no more Expansion Explosion. I thought that was just a pretty easy, straightforward win con. Yeah, like, as I said, it, it's sort of... Uh, we talked about this uh, for anyone who has uh, tuned in. I don't know if we talked about this on the stream, but when we were streaming the Invitational, my, I think it was beforehand, we were also trying to piece together how uh, the Lotus Field list that was in that tournament would actually win. Mm-hmm. And what we talked about then, and I think that might rain through now, like, you don't need your win condition to be that clean cut. right? You, you don't need to easy mode your way into a win if you know how to pilot the deck well. Yeah. So maybe like the Nifmizit Perun, Peer into the Abyss myself, is like like the level one. And once you're like really good at the game, and I guess you become like really good at counting, so you know whatever's in your de- how many cards are left in your deck, then you can sort of like, yeah, I don't need this Niv Mizzet. I'm just gonna put like an extra strategic planning in my deck because like I know how this works. I know how to piece this together once I'm doing my thing. I'm just gonna like cut the easy mode way out of my deck because I no longer need the easy mode to win. That's what it looks like to me. Like once you've played fifty games with this deck, you're like, yeah, I don't no longer need to put Nif Missing in this deck. I can win without. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, then looking at the other challenge, so the fourth of October, we're still on that one. 
Um, yeah, I was happy to see a gruel mid-range. Actually, I clicked on the wrong one, and this one makes me confused again. This is the gruel mid-range, which keeps performing with the 2-2 split between Questing Beast and Glorybringer, and only two Reckless Bushwhacker. Nice. And, like, I kept pointing out, like, I feel like this list is untuned. Like, why do... This is actually... This one actually stopped running Embercleave, which I can agree with, I guess. No, it's there. It's there. It's just, for some reason, like, carried over into the lands. It's in the lands. Yeah. It's in the lands now. This this deck runs two artifacts, and then it lists two Embercleave and 21 lands. Yeah, that's weird. Sure. Um, Yeah, so still the four attacks. I just... Oh, by the way, what I learned today, which I didn't actually know until then, is if you play a Tarkas command and you put a land from your hand onto the battlefield, you have to pick the front side when it's a pathway. Yeah, same thing with like Arboreal Grazer and stuff like that. Yeah, you don't get a choice. You have to put the front side into play, which I don't know how that works rules-wise, but now I know. Is now there's a designated is there a designated front side or can you choose how you start the game? No, there is a designated front side for sure. Okay. So I think the difference is probably with like Balagat recovery because the front side just isn't a land. Then you oh, probably I get see. to pick the land side. But yeah, because like... the front side of the pathways is a land, then it's just like, yeah, you're putting that into play. Yeah, I see it. It's uh because like all the pathways have it they do have a designated, yeah, I see it. it shows the difference as the single arrow <laughs> to show that this flips and then the other side is like this also flips um <laughs> but yeah it's a it's a difference of uh one big arrow versus two medium-sized arrows is <laughs> the designation i don't know what the logic of it is but we'll roll with it it makes sense in my brain that's all i need to know then uh other decks we're seeing so winota niftalite uh, so you see the Gruul mid-range, Teamer Reclamation. You know, this person didn't have the money for Omnaths. Um, I feel that. Most people probably feel that. <laughs> uh, Rectal Sacrifice, Mono Black Aggro. Uh, Oops All Spells. Again, it just showed up in both challenges. The deck just keeps performing. Um, which I guess falls in line with the Lotus Field stuff, right? Like yeah. This is just a very straightforward combo deck. Uh, if your opponent doesn't interact with you and you just go like turn two, you play the like the Hedron dude that is way too cute for like a Hedron covered in plants, and then you play turn four spy and you win. Like, sure. Right? If your opponent's um, still dirtling around with Omnaths, why not? There's also another Lotus uh, deck in here. It actually got 27th place. It's listed as just a five color pile. But it is Lotus. It's running Lurus as a companion. Uh, uh, this just runs the Thassa's Oracle in the main. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it looks pretty similar. It bumped up here in the best of three copies and dropped Dig Through Time to three copies in the main. Um, I mean, this looks like the even like extra easy mode. This looks like the semi-easy mode version. Like, yeah, you know how has to the, turbo uh, through your deck, but you, you do still like want to win with the Oracle, just in case. Yeah, it's Enter the Infinite, Temporal, Trespass uh, on this Oh, this is Enter the Infinite in the sideboard. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you just go Omniscience, Enter the Infinite. Then I don't really know why you've got the Oracle, because once you've got Omniscience and Enter the Infinite, just grab Jace too. But I guess Jace can be interacted with, right? you still got the stupid thing, Jace, you try and plus, and they're like, ah, I'll kill your Jace, but you've got Omniscience, you've got instant speed draw spells in your hand. So does that actually... Ah, that's why literally all your draw spells are sorceries. 
So mm. your opponent could interact with you if they're being funny, and with Thassa's Oracle, they can't. So that's probably why. This is probably, I talked about the, the lists with uh, Niv-Mizzet, but this is probably what I'd play. The Omniscience, Enter the Infinite, like sort of the most straightforward way to win the game. With this yeah, I, I still would like to see uh, Expansion Explosion. Um, there is a there is the cute approach of the second son in there because so you just go uh, omniscience uh, approach and then like dig grab approach again cast it again for free. <laughs> it's just like okay, <laughs> uh, this this sort of feels like the pick your own winkle. Yeah, there's so many like, in here, which I think is I think like is the better way to do. Five it. ways to win the game, and you're just like, I don't know, man, decking myself. Like maybe my opponent's got like about like maybe they're gonna commit to memory my thassus oracle and then i don't win it. you know what? i'll just grab the approach yeah <laughs> I, I like that that's what it, it feels like I, I like this one more than the other one because it seems more fun yeah just like whatever i feel like winning with today and this almost is like cool. you do it for a stream right you're on stream you're comboing off you put like a poll in twitch chat and you're like how are we gonna win this time chat <laughs> i like that <laughs> Uh, and I see Temporal Trespass, and I've seen that in more of these lists, which is kind of cute. It's a delve spell to grab an extra turn. So you can effectively three three blue mana, take a turn after this one, which is almost time warp. Oh, thank God Nexus is not legal in this damn format. Oh, I would not be playing this format if Nexus was legal. <laughs> um, so I think yeah, this is kind of it, right? If we go into the leagues, we see some cool lists show up. Uh, we see, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm going to go into the league that is the 1st of October. And there's, again, there's Oopsal Spells, there's there's Oopsal Spells, there's some Jeskai Luka, which is a deck we're still seeing showing up, some Azorius Spirits, we've seen that. There's Azorius Control again, rearing its head. Yeah. With four main deck copies of Skyclave Cleric, mind you, dealing with all these pesky aggro decks. Good card. Yes. I would almost say a top 10 card. Um, <laughs> even a top 5 card. I think I put it on 4. Um, Esper Control 2. Uh, Blue Red, which I'm going to assume is Phoenix. Yes. So Phoenix again. I mean, people like the deck. Keep showing up. Uh, I think last week, uh, Matt and I talked about uh, a Phoenix list where you were gone for like 5 minutes. Did yeah. you see the Phoenix la list last week that was literally just four Phoenix, two Storming Entity? I did. Yeah, th this person has regained... Well, at least this person has kept their senses, and this is still running Young Pyromancer and stuff. This is the this is the less adventurous Phoenix list, but still pretty advent adventurous because, you know, you're playing Phoenix, which does take some balls. I agree with that. Any list here that really stands out for you? That I'm not seeing. Not, not particularly. Um, there's some spicy lists, I guess, but we can talk about those a little bit later. Um, yeah, you, you mean know, outside the leagues? Yeah, outside. Well, technically, there. This isn't a league from the fifth. Oh yeah. Um, oh, there's the league of the fifth. Are there more? Uh, oh yeah, this is a bigger league dump. Yeah, there's the. Um, I really like the Rakdos list. It's. Uh, but it's not Pyromancer. It runs three Croxa, because, you know, why not? Uh, four Magmatic Channeler, my number one pick for our top ten. 
uh, four bone, bone crusher giant, three murderous rider, four nighthawk scavenger, uh, which was not in either of our top tens, but it's certainly an interesting and powerful card. Two Liliana the Last Hope and a bunch of kill your stuff. Um, oh, and uh, two Inscription of Ruin, which is the black inscription. Cool. I mean, uh, one this, Valakut this, Awakening. Nice. To me, this just feels like um, the sort of. Let's imagine if we had a meta that was mostly Rakdos Pyromancer. Like, this is what people would be doing. Like, you take the Rakdos Pyromancer list that everybody has, but you go a little bigger. Because the list is too low to the ground to go further underneath, so you go a little bit taller. Yeah. And that's what I've seen this is. You know, Magmatic Channeler is a little bit taller, Nighthawk Scavenger is a little bit taller. Um, some more expensive removal, some more two for ones, you know, Inscription of Ruin, Coligan's Command. That sort Bunch of thing. Bunchy's Thurs is uh, popping up in a lot of black decks. I like it. Good card. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Hagra Mauling is a four off here, which is a card I've been playing with and I've been a pretty big fan of. They're also only playing 16 lands, uh, so they're relying on four Hagra, whatever, Valakut's Awakening, four Spikefield Hazard. Um, so they got plenty of those uh, modal lands ready to go. To yeah, I mean, if to... you're a little bit slower, you can afford the tap lands. Yeah. And that's just what you're seeing in this deck. If you go a little bit slower, you know, you, do, you don't have to, like, turbo out a Crocs on turn four, then, yeah, just play this. Yeah, I mean, Croxa isn't a main feature in this deck. It's just like I'm in the colors. I'm yeah, I'm playing a controlly. Um, it's really a controlly deck style deck that has like two finishers, being Nighthawk Scavenger and Croxa. Everything else is kill your thing or find the thing to kill you. Now so. the only problem I see with this, so this looks like hey, every, a lot of people will be playing Ragnos Pyromancer. I'm gonna go a little bit larger, but looking through the list, like. Obviously not being able to play Luris, because you've got all these three drops. That's actual yep. value you're missing, so you're going a little bit slower, but you do miss the free card. No village rights, because you've got no things ready to go off with your village rights. Mm. So this still probably goes a little taller, but not that much taller. So I guess what that's why it's kind of just showing up in like one league dump. I don't see this list being better than just straight up like rectal spiromancer it's funny you mentioned like the fact that like this is like the taller version of rectal spiromancer because look at their sideboard it's like they really want to beat rectal spiromancer you got two soul guy lantern four agonizer remorse uh two anger the gods a nasha uh, an ashiok an ashiok dream render uh and then then two necromancia four feet this worm so i hate reclamation I hate Lewis Field, yeah. and I hate Rakdos Pyromancer is what the cyborg screams to me. Which, I mean, it's no bad place to be. No, I mean, I, I feel like those matchups probably are pretty good. Um, the main thing I'm missing is uh, no Edict-style removal if you're up against, like, an Auras deck. Well, if you're against an Auras deck, you're just like, uh, I hope I don't. That's pretty much how it works. I mean, yeah, this, yeah exactly. Like, even with three Blood Chief Stirs, three Fatal Push... Uh, I guess your matchup against Orzov Auras isn't even that bad. You probably just really don't want to play against Selesnya. Like, I mean, you this can still bring in Feed the Swarm and just, if you're against Selesnya, worst case, you're like, okay, I'm going to snipe your Ethereal Armor, at least weaken it enough to where I can yeah, make true. it manageable. And then and you maybe like one, you take off, take off the first strike stuff and then you can like block with Nighthawk Scavenger or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm personally not the biggest fan of Nighthawk Scavenger as a card. I I just think it's a cool card. So I think it's cool because like Vampire Nighthawk is a very cool card, and this is obviously a nod to Vampire Nighthawk, and this is just a better Vampire Nighthawk. The art is even very similar to Vampire Nighthawk. It's Vampire Night McGoif. It that's pretty much like it's like that. What was the haunted? The haunted something. Um, it was another three drop from like a couple of sets ago, or from Ikoria. Um, it's like that card got bit by the original scavenger. Or, uh, <laughs> they just merged. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, this is a cool deck. Outside of that, though, I mean, I it's not really a a spicy list. That was probably the spiciest one I've seen in the in these dumps. But I want to point out how funny it is that Feather has fallen so far into the meta share that it's just treated as just WR, WR white, red, and, and gold. Yeah. It's like, we don't even recognize you anymore. Because <laughs> I, I was like, oh, this is and, cool. A random Boros list. Click on it. It's Feather. I'm like, why? And why it's actually it? in some of the challenges, too, I think. There's like one or two copies of Feather. So the deck is seeing play. Yeah, I, I think the deck is still fine. It's just um, there's probably better things to be doing. Uh, there is a better Arcanist deck, basically, in Rakdos Pyromancer, right? You'd rather be playing that deck. Because I, I still think it's weird that we still consider Rakdos Pyromancer to be a young Pyromancer deck. I feel like it's a it's Rakdos Arcanist. That's how the deck feels to me. I feel like Arcanist is the better of the two cards. To be honest, Rakdos Arcanist also just sounds cooler. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, I guess it's just the nod to the modern deck. It's like, where like Mardu Pyromancer was a very popular modern deck for a while, and it feels very similar to that deck. True. So I guess that's why people just call it Pyromancer. But I want to further set Pioneer in its own direction and give that identity back to it and be like, no, 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 this is Rakdos Arcanist. Because every game I, mean, I played, let's be honest, there, it's Rakdos Croxa. Like it's uh, it's more, it's Rectal's Croxa before it is anything else. Like, fair. I, I still think Arcanus is the all star of the deck. I think that is the best card in the deck. After this is uh, why we playing it. Just, then this is why we just call it Rectal's Midmage. Um that that's a disgusting thing to say. You you take that back. <laughs> Rectal's midrange. Gross. <laughs> Alright, so uh another list that showed up, and I, I shouted out this person last week. Uh, Watto O, again showing me how to pilot control with the Demir deck, with the three negates in the main, and the rewinds and the Vraska's contempt. Like he's back, like showing me again how it's done. I suppose. Now, I, um, did I we talked make about this last as well. Was was is this? No, that was not the same list. Okay, I think. But actually, no, it might be but it was already a week prior, so this person might have been doing it for more weeks. Because again, zero copies of Thoughtseize in the 75 this time. Um, one Fatal Push main, two in the board. Um, now, I don't want to go into this for too long because we talked about this, but as I said, so last week, we were talking about this. I was like, I, I don't understand this deck. It confuses me. Um, but did it actually make me think, you know what? I should probably go back to the drawing board with my control deck. And... This has made me like try some things out. Now I still run the full four Thoughtseize, but now it's a two-two split between the main and the side because I cannot let go of Thoughtseize. 
I like starting on 16 life too much. Um, <laughs> but it did make me consider some cards. I'm testing Notion Thief. I'm testing Enter the God Eternals instead of Kalidus because like it's not as vulnerable to removal because it already does its thing. It's also source to gain life. I've tried main deck negate, but I still haven't been sold on it. Uh, so I'm currently running main deck sensor. I have taken that up. So I'm I'm trying some things out, and it's been pretty cool so far. Yeah, but I'm. It kind of feels like this person is just trying to like meta call, right? Like, I find it risky to play three main deck negate and a bunch of counter spells if the most played deck is mono black aggro. Like, you're you're kind of just hoping to dodge that matchup, I guess. Which is a way to go into a tournament, right? Like, even mm -hmm. if it's a fairly popular matchup, it's not like sixty percent of the field. No. You know, if you if you play six rounds or in a league like five rounds and a fourth of the meta game is mono black, but you could say like, no, I'm going to build my deck to be good against literally everything, except I'm just going to ignore the existence of mono black. There is a reasonable chance you just don't have to play against the deck. Like, and even if it's like a fourth games. of the meta. Yeah, and you could steal those, right? It's not like unwinnable. Right, yeah. Eventually, you've got Nagir Hulk, you've got Vraska's Contempt, you've got Extinction Event. You have out. You're just going to have to draw very well. And but... for Shark Typhoon, that's nothing to scoff at. Yeah, but not the greatest card against Mono Black, though. If they keep their pushes in. I mean, it's definitely a thing they can, you can block with. Uh, I don't, oh, I yeah, but like, but like, I wouldn't say, like, oh, this really like tilts the matchup because hard casting your Shark Typhoon is hardly ever going to happen. No. And... Yeah, I... But making Before a nice it does... big blocker, and then when they realize that they sided out all their pushes in game two, and you're, they have you have a six six on board, and they're like, uh, I I think I think that's pretty good. Yeah, true. But they're probably gonna like keep it. Yeah, maybe. Like I, I've been trying to play some Shark Typhoon. Uh, I'm actually only trying one. I think the card is good, but especially like because I'm in red, I enjoy some cards like Nicobolas, Chandra, Awaken mm -hmm. Inferno has actually been pretty nice. Um, but I have Shark Typhoon incoming, and I've actually ordered a German one because the German name is a pun. Because it's just a mix between the word shark, which is high in German, and typhoon, so it's just called Haifoon. So it's like shark foon. It's it's a I beautiful it's just, name. It's a beautiful name. Well, I was uh, I actually did this like off cast. I was chatting with Brad when I ordered it, and I was looking at the name, and it's like I don't get I. Oh, it's a pun. And then I immediately ordered it. Yeah, it was a good five minutes of Alex talking to himself while he's ordering it. And then I'm just sitting there going like, I don't speak German. I don't know what you're talking about. And then he finally explained why it was funny. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you've deflated my reaction a teeny bit with this one. <laughs> if you speak Dutch, you understand some German. So that's why I probably got it. Like, And then I sent like... People are going to be familiar with this. Uh, then I send Brad the funny ones of like how English has wild nacoddle and German has wilder nacoddle. And German, yeah. and we have worm coil engine and they just have worm spiral machine, which is just a glorious name for a card. Yeah, and I feel like I'm having a stroke when I read that card because you send it a couple of times. And every time I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't even speak German. I get it's that. It's so like, good. Still, still looking at the way everything is just put together you're like okay it's still a it's a germanic language just like english so like i i can still like 
understand words. I just don't know what they mean, and I'm having a stroke reading them. So, sometimes some of the German keywords, like some of the keywords translated to German, become very long. And that makes it look really strange on cards. Yeah, I've noticed. I'm just like, uh, why did this card go from being three sentences to 12? <laughs> um, anything else you want to point out in this league before we start talking about next subject? Um, no, I mean, the only thing I can really say is just looking at the challenges, looking at the um, just the leagues and just the tournaments in general that we've been seeing over the last few weeks is that Pioneer certainly feels like it's probably, if not at its most diverse um, since its inception, it's certainly at its most diverse since Theros came in, right? I feel like that's certainly... Um, oh, yeah, for fair. sure. And speaking of just the format diversity, I had this thought actually earlier this morning looking at the uh, the list while we were kind of preparing, uh, getting ready for the uh, the cast today. And I went over to the pioneer subreddit and i went ahead and put up a poll and i asked very simple pioneer seems to be at its most diverse since its inception is the current metagame how you envision what a healthy pioneer format would look like and is there anything you would change to make the format your ideal metagame then there's a big question regardless of if you feel the format is healthy are you having fun playing it and the results I just put as the two options being yes, the format is healthy, or no, Pioneer needs some kind of change to be healthy. And currently, I just refreshed it, we're sitting at 528 votes, 336 of which say yes, the format is healthy, to the 192. So that is a total of 63% in favor of the format being healthy. Now, that's definitely the majority. It's not an overwhelming majority. I don't think we're ever going to have like a 90% poll of people saying, yes, the format is healthy format in existence, right? I feel oh, like no, especially because be... you put the poll on the internet. Yes. And on the internet, we are never like mutually in agreement on anything. And I put it on Reddit, which is one of the most oh, that polarizing. Makes it worse. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I want to ask you, Alex. Um, I mean, we can get into some of these comments in a bit if we want to look at any of them, but I want to ask you first, we'll go through these questions one by one. Do yeah. you think the format looks healthy? Um, now, obviously, the, the, you know, you always got the it's complicated type of answer. If I'd have to say yes and no, I'm actually a little worried looking at the format. Mm -hmm. And that's mostly because a lot of the decks I'm seeing um now i don't i haven't played like i i don't play like a league a day right so i haven't played most of these decks or in small quantities but i'm seeing this like ores of auras um lotus combo omnath uh and i'm kind of of the opinion like are these actually like healthy decks to have at the top because they're not the most interactive like they do tend to be now mono black aggro is at the top, which I think is a good sign of health for the country. For the country, the, <laughs> we I don't are know pioneer. Saying. The United <laughs> States of pioneer. We are we are we are pioneer. Um, but like, especially it's especially the Omnath piles that worry me. Like, yeah. what are we like two weeks from now? 
are we just all racing to cast Genesis Ultimatum on turn four? And and that's what I'm worried about. Because I've seen I've seen lists or I've seen like even like in action. See people go like turn two Lotus Cobra, turn three uh Omnath, and then turn four they go like um I don't know, some or like turn two Grove Spiral, turn three Omnath, turn four they go like Lotus Cobra, Fabled Passage, Escape to the Wilds, more shenanigans, Genesis Ultimatum. And like, yeah. is this actually fun? Right? Is this healthy? And these decks, as a lot of people pointed out, are effectively standard ports. So my worry is, can we make these decks better? And if we can, I'm afraid we're going to go into like four color, five color, like clown fiesta format and that's what i'm a little bit worried about no but i am having fun so you... in the meantime i am really enjoying this format well that's good i think that's the most important thing that's why i put at the at the end um regardless of how you feel about the format and, and its healthiness are you having fun playing it i think that is always going to be the most important thing because i've yeah. been in formats that are considered healthy but i'm bored like Ixo on standard was healthy, sort of. I guess. I mean, we I did have it. approach. Um, I, I love that there. format. So I'm going to be biased. I love that format. Cool. Yeah. You cast like, your torrential gear. I mean, this person's still living my dream, right? We're just talking about you cast torrential gear. Can you get to pick between Glimmer of Genius and Vraska's Contempt? Like that's just a dream. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I will say my favorite format of all time though is War of the Spark Standard. Upon the release of War of the Sparks um, in the standard, hell no, no, I hated it, that format. No, it was the best. It was bad when we got M twenty. That's when no, it got like, bad. Did you enjoy playing against Commander Dreadhorde? Because I certainly didn't. I thought that was fine. I played Esper Hero, dude. I thought that was the most fun deck to ever play. And I also really like those kind of decks that are really complicated and have a lot of lines of play, and you have to ping your opponent to death. And every little point of damage and every swing, every attack, every little decision you make makes the biggest difference for the game. And like, I, I, was, was fun. I was just watching my opponent play uncounterable Commander Dreadhorts on my end step because they had a Teferi in play, and I, I didn't enjoy that format at all. Granted, I actually really enjoyed Hour of Devastation standard. No, I think it was actually later in. Uh, when did they ban a tune with Ether? They banned a tune with Aether post-Ixalan. I think it was post-Ixalan because rotation happened and energy just popped up as the big player because we lost like zombies and stuff like that because shadows and everything rotated. I was actually having a lot of fun in the format before they banned Teamer Energy. And that's probably a format a lot of people thought sucked. So, but I really loved playing against Teamer Energy. I thought it was such a cool deck to play against. So I didn't mind it at all. So I, this is kind of already like pointing it out, right? How like it's you can have such different ways in which you enjoy a format. Yep. And might be well, I, I would like to have sort of your take on it, right? So why do you, how do you think a format is healthy? Um, do you think it's healthy right now? And you know, try and answer your own question. Are you happy? So I'm personally borderline not happy with the format right now um but that's of my own bias and my own am i having fun it's because you can't play kathas 
It's because I can't play a deck that feels like something that Kethis did. And that, yeah, and look, it, and I, I know it's a thing every week, and I kind of, you know, bitch and moan, you know, Kethis is gone, I miss it, whatever. But the reason I liked playing Kethis so much, not because it was a combo deck, I'm not really that big into combo decks, I just loved how complicated of a deck it was. And I don't feel like there's a deck in the form, and again, that's why I liked Esper Hero. Esper Hero, I felt, was a pretty complicated deck, and at least the decision-making and how you pilot it. And Rakdos Pyromancer is probably the closest thing in the format right now that feels that way, um, to having all these just different avenues of lines of play to kind of explore and go forward. Um, like, I have Rec in paper, um, at least Team of Rec. I mean, I have everything besides Omnath to go into four color. Like I would have everything else, but I don't feel like buying Omnath right now. And yeah, I could play that and it'd be one of the top decks and I'd probably do well with it, but it's not particularly hard to pilot, I guess. I mean, it's just, a, it feels like it's just a control deck essentially. Like, can you survive turns one through four? And then can you just do a lot of big things? So in that sense, I'm not having the most fun with the format. I enjoy playing Rakdos Pyromancer. I enjoy playing the deck, and I like the deck. Rakdos is my favorite guild combination. But I would like a bit more complexity in the format. The format is healthy. The format, you're, you're, talking, is, you're talking about fun, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you haven't really found your deck. But yeah. do you think the format is healthy? I would lean towards yes. Um, because the, the way I define a format to be healthy is the main four pillars existing in a format um, and performing well. We have now seen aggro decks, control decks, combo decks, and um, ramp style decks slash mid-range decks all perform incredibly well and have a presence in top eight challenges every week and win challenges every week. And so we're seeing Lotus Combo. We're seeing Mono Black Aggro, and I, you can consider... Uh, like Pyromancer and Auras up there as well as Agrodex. Um, we have Esper Control um, being a big player. We have Niv to Light being literally the epitome of a mid-range strategy. And you have, of course, to everyone's, uh, I, I would imagine, disdain at this point with the last two years of Standard, um, Ramp decks like Forkar, Omnath, and uh, Wreck. And then we have so many other decks as well. It, like I said, it's super diverse. And no, I agree with the statement of we need to keep an eye on Omnath and how it kind of goes forward from here and what happens. Because I agree with you, if it ends up being 25% of the field, like Inverter was, for example, and everyone's just like, Genesis Ultimatum, this is this is the card, this is how we go, and we just ramp. Because... Yeah, like, the, the, like, so, just to point out, Genesis Ultimatum isn't actually being played that much right now. It's generally like a one-off. But what I'm afraid of is that people are going to put two, three, four copies in their deck because it's going to be like the trump card in the matchup. And yeah. if people are trying to trump each other with a seven-mana sorcery, I think there's something wrong with your format. So Snapshot now, like Snapshot today, 7th of October, is Pioneer healthy? Yes. But like claiming it's healthy now, like full stop, I'm going to be afraid like in a week that's going to bite me in the butt. Yeah. Um, see, I think we're going to see an uptick... And I mean, we already are seeing an uptick. If we just look at the last seven days for the meta report, the number four, number, yeah, number four deck is a Lotus combo. 
So I think we're going to continue, continue seeing a bit more of an uptick in Lotus combo, which means I think we'll start seeing Dambic Sphere pop up again in sideboards, and it's going to become... Going to have to make room for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not the most fun. Now... It's also hard to have room for it in your board. Now I it's, do hard, quick... it's hard being control in such a diverse field, which is sort of like a first world problem, right? Oh no, my format is too diverse. It's hard to play control. Yeah. So again, I think the format right now is healthy. And I really hope Wizards... Obviously, they don't listen to this podcast. There's no way. But if for some reason they were... Please, for the love of God, you can do whatever the hell you want to standard. Ban everything. I don't care. But do not have that same knee-jerk reaction when people start getting upset with Pioneer. It's inevitably going to happen, right? And let's say what you say or what your fear is comes true in the next week or two. I'm not going to sit here and pound the table for a ban on Omnath or Lotus Cobra or whatever you think is the awful enabler that's providing this. I would like to let a non-rotating format be a non-rotating format and try and fix itself because those are the formats that do that best. So please back off of Pioneer. If we have a month of just garbage meta, but then it corrects itself, fine. That's fine. Modern has this too, right? There's yeah. phases of modern that are less fun than other phases, which is fine. Yeah, right? it's like a three-month revolving door. Yeah, like, and I think we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, where we would sort of be happy if Pioneer reaches that state. Yep. So, yeah, if we can, like, I, I think it's a very good point you're making, where it's like, if two two weeks from now, we are, like, all casting seven mana sorceries trying to trump each other, let's not immediately panic, and let's just think, like, okay, how are we actually going to solve this without like getting the police involved, which the police here is wizards. Like, mm-hmm. you know, let's try and solve this. Because we see like this humans list, like that looks like a list that gets you dead before you cast your Genesis ultimatum. Mm. Yeah, Unless you I, flip I think... like an Ugin off it maybe, but maybe like even like casting a Genesis ultimatum might not be good enough against those decks. Maybe people start and play spirits again with lofty denials and just countering these stupid cards. Or spirits with mystical dispute main decks, and it just forces this out of the format, right? Like there's options. Yep, I will always use this deck as an example for this argument because it's just the perfect example. I mean, it looks like a very like it. It goes very big, but it looks like big but beatable. Yeah, but I was gonna say I was gonna talk about um, uh, Death Shadow, right? Death Shadow was a card that existed in the modern format for years. It was there. But it never did anything until people found a deck for it to go into. Everyone just thought it was just a a bad card. Now, I guarantee you, there is a quote-unquote Death Shadow in Pioneer right now. And months from now, a year from now, five years from now, whatever, it just all, all of a sudden be part of the best deck. Oh, Sim- human, humans went from almost not there to top deck, and it literally got Kaizo Freebooter in unclaimed territory, yeah. which is just two uncommons. Exactly. And 
that can happen for Pioneer pretty easily. Now, it is closer to standard than it is closer to modern. So you're going to have a bit more of that standard influence. That's why we see some of these ports kind of come over than you do into modern. But give it a little bit of time and it'll get further and further apart. Plus, we're supposed to be seeing the fire philosophy kind of be toned down a little bit if we're going to take what Wizards is saying authentically um, and genuinely. So we could see the next couple of years of Pioneer really be quite different, though you could argue that it could be more of the same because if it, it does get toned down, then cards that kind of come in don't have the snuff to go up against things like Uro and stuff like that should they still be legal in the format at that point. I'm a bit more optimistic. I, I think the format, and just to kind of bring it back full circle, go back to the original point, I think the format's healthy right now. I think even if we're doing some BS shenanigans in the next couple of weeks, I would still lean towards the format being healthy because unless the, the, I don't think the the idea of a growing in a certain deck is going to shoot down this amount of diversity we're seeing. I don't remember the last time the metagame page was this like this many decks on Goldfish. Yeah. I guess not as long as modern, of course. But remember when it was literally like seven decks? Yeah, I think like, uh, we, we almost got to the point where the other list was actually just on the front page. Yeah. <laughs> it's like seven decks and then other, and that was like 5% of the meta. Yeah. So, so this is this is much better. And I, I, I do think again you make a really good point where I'd say like if in two weeks it is um like all like Genesis Ultimatum Malarkey, that doesn't immediately make the format unhealthy. Now it's unhealthy if that happens for the next two months after. And nobody finds a way to beat it, so we all just start doing the same thing. Like yeah. that would be truly unhealthy. And like call time comes, they're like, Wow, cool, Vikings. Okay, let's go back to casting Omlath. Like that's that would be a problem. And you mentioned call time. Um, I do want to say, wait till we get the other pathways, because you look at something like Rakdos, which doesn't have, which is another one that doesn't have a fast land. What are the two other? It's uh, Rakdos and then Demir that don't have the fast lands that we're missing currently for the um, out of the cycle we got. Or no, no there's one more. Demir does it. It's it's Rakdos. Demir. Azorius. No, Demir has it. I play it. It's No, it doesn't. It's not legal. Yeah, Demir. The blue and the black one. Yeah, the fast lands. It. It's not legal. Oh, the fast lands. Sorry, I thought yeah. we were talking about the pathways. No, no, no. The, the, the fast lands. I'm talking about like, because uh, we're... Oh, the, fa- the fast lands, they're all the uh, the ally colors. They're Azorius, Rakdos, um... God, what is it? Azorius, Rakdos, Celestia... Demir and Gruul. Uh, Demir and Gruul. Yeah, they're all so, fast. So they we got, fast. so we got three fast lands. Or I'm sorry, three pathways to fit into those. But so we're just missing. The um, fast lands gonna take a while though. The problem. No, no, with the I, fast know, I know. I'm, I'm just saying name. that like we're we're finishing up the cycle of pathways next uh, in the next yeah. few months, and the only two ones remaining that we didn't get because we got what Demir, um, Gruul, and Selesnia for the pathways this time around that don't have fast lands. So we'll get Rakdos. And um, Rectus and Azorius. Those are the two allies that still need pathways to. Yeah. So we saw what that did for the uptick of the other, not so much Demir, but.
but the other two being Gruul and uh, Selesnya that actually have aggro decks to kind of be built around, which Demir doesn't, right? There's really not much no. uh, you can do. I mean, Demir weird. Yeah, um, which, yeah, he could do that, but maybe we'll see that pop up in the next two weeks. You never know. But yeah. Played a bit. It's a deck deck, a main deck, Mystical Dispute, right? It's a blue deck. It can go Curious a little Obsession bit. Curious Obsession would be cool. Ooh. Yeah. Now he's, speak- now he's speaking my language. <laughs> Uh, but drawing, yeah, like... drawing cards while hitting with creatures with very low power. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I do like I do you, like that you card. Just go, you just go turn one miscloaked herald, turn two curious obsession, and you're like, oh yeah, ten turn clock. There we go. But yeah, uh, we've seen throughout, and obviously we do currently have a Rakdos aggro deck, which is Pyromancer, which should be called uh, Rakdos uh, Arcanist, but whatever. And uh, we saw what the addition of the Pathways did for decks that weren't even on the, the radar. Like, Gruul was kind of there. Selesnya was almost never there for the, since the beginning of Pioneer. So now those two have popped up a lot more. Granted, the Selesnya one is heavily leaning into auras. Um, I'd like to see some more stuff pop up in that regard. Uh, we would have... I'm pretty confident we would have had Selesnya or Obsense scales if Walking Ballista wasn't banned. I agree. And considering that Heliot sees literally zero play now, I am a little upset they didn't ban Heliot. Yep. And we would have still had Walking Ballista. Like, I, I could think... you imagine Abzan? Well, some Abzan color scales, something base green with now the Hydra guy and like the one green mana, um, whatever the hell. It, it, it's called, it's like Hangerback Walker. It's the oh, one mana, the, one one, the, and you tap yeah. it and it grows. Yeah. Then there's the there's the three mana ooze too that I've seen pop up in some like standard lists that are a counter base, and that one's pretty cool too. And um, yeah, and then with Conclave Mentor because I think they were never legal at the same time. Yeah. So and like then, yeah, it, it's a shame because Scales was a cool deck. Uh, if you liked math, you would very much like to play Scales. <laughs> <laughs> and but yeah, like. We have these decks pop up. So now imagine what happens next month. Not next month. I keep saying next month. In the next few months, like come what, January, February, when Call Time releases, when we finally have those four Rakdos and Establish uh, deck, um, as well as uh, Azorius, which we've seen Azorius aggro decks. We've seen, like, um, obviously, Spirits being one. We've seen, um, we've seen Azorius. Uh, both Azorius Auras and Azorius, um, what is it? Not Prowess. Um, it's no longer on the meta page, surprisingly. It's it's the Is it version. Uh, scissors. Oh, we had a yeah Azorius uh, and Soul for a while. Yeah, which I thought was a super cool deck that could come back with the Pathways. Um, there's also just Azorius Midrange. That could would use it with like a like a blink kind of idea or like ETB. Oh, I mean, I mean, can deck. you imagine you go against all these Omnath decks and you manage to find a way to put Lavinia on your deck? Oh yeah, I would like to cast Genesis Ultimatum while I have five lands. Except you can't. Uh, speaking of Lavinia, it's actually in some of the Nyawanota lists. I'm not surprised. I love uh, Lavinia. It's such a, a cool uh, card. That's just a thing to uh, grab, which you know. And again. We talked about it last week, and I think maybe the week before, but Naya Midrange. <laughs> I hate it. Um, Naya Winota got three pathways to make use of. 
and it, of course it's in Lotus Cobra, which I thought for sure was going to go right into Nyawanota. It is. It's a four of now. So, yeah. I mean, this the future looks so bright for Pioneer. I'm not letting a little Omnath kind of bring me down. I think we have the tools to overcome it. I really do. The biggest thing is, will we get one extra really good piece of removal um, in the next coming sets, like a like a la like path kind of thing? Lightning bolt. Yeah, like a one mana, like you know something. Yeah, lightning bolt might be a bit much, especially because it can go upstairs. But yeah, I will say today I watched a video and it and it explained the connection between Call Time and Nicol Bolas, and now I'm kind of hyped. Like, There's a connection. I, yes. Um, the um, so story-wise, I forgot his name, but there is a shaman planeswalker that lives on um, on Kaldheim, and he was actually like under the influence of Nicol Bolas, and he that shaman planeswalker instructed Chandra to get the ghost fire spell and the, like steal the scroll for the ghost fire spell, and the ghost fire spell was actually used to free the Eldrazi. So there is actually a link between Kaldheim and the Oath of the Gatewatch story, which is literally only like explained in like a 2014 Xbox game for Magic or something. It, it's um, it's Ramaz is his name. Yeah, Ramaz. So Ramaz uh, was just sort of like like Sarkon, also like shaman dude who liked dragons, got under the influence of Bolas and manipulated Chandra into getting the Ghostfire spell. And then Bolas manipulated Chandra, Jace, and Sarkon to all be at the Eye of Ugin, where Chandra then cast the Ghostfire spell, because the Ghostfire spell was actually the lock on the Eldrazi prison, because Ugin wasn't aware that anyone else in the multiverse could do a Ghostfire spell like he can. So he used that as a lock. So then Chandra cast that, and then all hell broke loose and the Eldrazi got set free. Lore. So... I'm looking at something. Um, let's see. As they came near the city, Angrath tried to planeswalk to Kaldheim and deduced from the length of his suspension that whatever blocked them from leaving this plane must have been near. Okay, so in the story, in Ixalan's story, Angrath tried to planeswalk from Ixalan to Kaldheim. Ooh. So let's see that. I mean, Kaldheim had already been like in the story for a while, right? Been hyped. Yeah, it, 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 but uh, Kaldheim first popped up in um, Plane Chase on the card Skybreen, uh, which Skybreen is. Oh my god, what the fuck? This card is sideways. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the Plane Chase cards. Oh, if you probably don't play a lot of, you don't play Commander, Brad, do you? So you've probably never played Plane Chase either. No, I have not. Players play with the top card of their libraries revealed. Um, oh, yeah, it literally... Okay, cool. Interesting. Um, so, so, yeah. For anyone what? who doesn't know what Plane Chase is, because quickly mentioning that, it's a um, it's a variant of Commander where there is a deck in the middle of the table, and you can like roll the planner dice at a certain time in the turn, whatever. And the play, it determines what plane you are currently fighting on, and that has some sort of benefit. And uh, all I remember playing Plane Chase, I played a Nifmizid Perun EDH deck, and we got like a sort of planar event, which is like another card you can get, and it put us on two planes at the same time. 
And I think the one I got two planes, and one was whenever you draw a card to draw another card, and all damage is doubled. And I was playing Niv Mizzet Perun. So whenever I drew a card, I would draw two cards, and I got the shock twice, which meant I immediately won the game. So that's my adventures playing plane chase. <laughs> imagine casting brains. Imagine casting brainstorm. I think the way it works, casting brainstorm, drawing eight cards, and then dealing sixteen damage. Like that's the type of stuff that happens when you're playing plane chase. And there's one plane that means players never don't untap until you leave the plane, and people hate playing that one. Um, anyway, on the big tangent, we talked about the health of the format. I have now mentioned Commander, which might be uh, a good segue into the next thing we're going to be talking about. Uh, I see uh, Ramaz was trying to steal the Dragon Scroll, which has connection with Bolas. Okay, so yeah, if we if we do see Bolas on Kaldheim, well, which I'm going to assume we're not going to see Bolas, but the thing they established is that Ramaz might still have had a connection with Bolas, so he might know the fate of Bolas. And well, in the story, in the, only the prison realm, isn't he? Yeah, but only Jason Ugin know that. Everyone else thinks he's dead. Uh, so right. Ramaz might might be the third planeswalker in the multiverse to actually be aware of the fact Nicol Bolas isn't dead. And what if he like runs to Chandra and he tells her this? And then Chandra's like, wait, Jace, you guys didn't kill him? And then that might be like set up for a new conflict. So Yeah, that makes sense. But um, I would have just just love some sort of like Grixis card to reverse Bolas. I want Angrath back. It says that um He's going to get ice cream for his daughters. So he's going oh, to go yes, to please. <laughs> well, it says that because Angrath tried to visit or is, or has at least seemed to have visited it in the past, hence he thought of it as a place to planeswalk immediately, um, it would suggest that it's close, sort of, in proximity to Ixalan. So that's super interesting. God, I... We're going to get Brad to learn lore, people. No, I already I've already read the story from well, I, I read from I'm pretty good about the the mending of Dominaria forward up until when they stopped doing the story. Oh um, yeah, I'm uh, Oath of the Gatewatch, uh, Battle for Zendikar forward, so I'm not that. Well, and I know most of this actually it's more Tarkir forwards, I think, right? Yeah. Pre-mending's fucking weird. Pre-mending is a weird thing to go off of. I just like uh, I, don't, I don't like because then you have like Bolas like decapitated to fairy when he was uh, old. Pre-mending. Oh, the the, the pre-mending story stream, but you you have like cool characters like the Weatherlight crew is very cool. Yeah, and the original Weatherlight with Miri and Crovax, and they have like a lot of uh, they do have a lot of cool stories. The main problem is they have a lot of bad cards. So, like, most of the mm. old legendaries, that's why they had, like, uh, I forget what the other one is. So, it's it's Gerald is the Weatherlight Captain, and then it's, like, Cray Vec or whatever. It's, like, his main nemesis, and they both got new cards in Commander last year, I think. Because, like, the original Gerald is so bad that you can't even build a casual EDH deck around him, because he's just that terrible of a card. So they're probably all going to need like some revamp at one point in Commander products. Truly depressing. I think, I think the mono white Crovax is okay. 
I think it's like half an Elish Norn, something like that. Like your cards get plus one, plus one, and your opponents get minus one, minus one, or something. Well, before but... this becomes the Magic the Gathering lore podcast, uh, we should move on to the next subject, which... Uh, which yeah, is also it's... not going to be related to Pioneer. Well, maybe a little bit. We can maybe loop it back to being about Pioneer, but this uh, is yeah. about general drama. Okay, so... Of course, we talked last week about the Walking Dead secret lair and all of the outrage that followed and ensued. And of course, why would the you know outrage die out at all over the course of the last week when we were talking about it? And it spawned a whole new format. What format is that, Alex? Yeah, so we're actually like this is less about this is gonna be less about the Walking Dead and more about like this development. So I believe it started with Mitch from the Commander's Quarters. I think yes. that is like the sort of origins of it. Yep. Started a new format, quote-unquote new format, made a video about it, blah, blah, and it's called Captain. And it's literally Commander, but the Walking Dead cards are banned. Oh, and, the, and, and the, instead of the Command Zone, it's called the Captain's Chair, which yeah, I was like, just like hard they... eye roll at that. Yeah, oh, they, they just, it's clear, I thought it was a meme. Like, I just thought they were joking. And um, so the idea is literally, it's Commander, but the, um, what do you call that? But the, the Walking Dead cards are banned. Now, I read a fantastic joke about that on Reddit, and it's Integrity. like, they should, they should make the next commander legend set and they should print like an absolutely busted card that is not legendary and then put the line on this can be your captain which i (laughs) which i thought was fantastic but like you expect wizards to have some type of uh insight to the community or something oh come on they have a good sense of humor on some of their cards yeah they do like especially if you see them like if you see the unsets, like they joke about themselves a lot too. And I think this is kind of what it goes into. So before we go on like a tangent about this, I want to point out that I think Mitch from the Commander's Quarter is like a fantastic guy. He is like, the community, Magic as a whole is better for him being there. But I think he made a mistake pulling this off. Because if you go and watch the original video and he talked about the integrity... I think it was taken down, that, actually. Like, that, like, the uh, reverse triangle... Because actually, this, the hollow stamp is different on the Walking Dead cards. And it's like, oh, this has to do with, like, predatory marketing. And it was, like, a really negative... Uh, kind of, like... Like, unnuanced video. And I'm not surprised that a video that is so like sort of negative and unnuanced is gonna attract the more toxic type of player too. Because lo and behold, one day later, the Discord was taken down and the format was kind of discontinued because the community was so toxic that they couldn't really get anything going. Which I am in no way surprised by. Again, I love Mitch, but I think he messed this one up. Now granted, Someone on Reddit uh, yesterday, I think, or it might still be today, has tried to revive Captain. Now, I think this whole stuff is just such an over-exaggeration. Like, come on. What are we going to have now? We're going to not have, like, Legacy, but we're just going to call it, like, 
ye old format and it's going to be legacy with the walking dead cards banned okay like, but give... in the in the ye old format to be fair you have to speak in ye old english so it's going to create for some wonderful gameplay. It's like when you get really into uh, D&D and you start doing you know, voices this, like this that. Is, this is going to probably piss my girlfriend off because she studies English literature. And I believe ye old is actually not how you pronounced any of that. Like when you watch any old movies and stuff, they get all of this wrong. So <laughs> if we're going to have the rules that you have to talk like this, we're probably like my girlfriend's probably going to like school me in that. No one's going to understand uh, each other. Have you tried teaching kids Romeo and Juliet? It's a nightmare. It's a goddamn <laughs> nightmare. You can't even get past the where art thou or like Romeo thing. Like, why are you? It's what are she's asking? Why, are, why do you have to be this? Why do you have to be part of this family? Instead of. In the, I had to read part of Le Miserable in French. That's probably the same experience. I think oh, I, know I, what you're I would about. imagine. Yeah. Oh, and then <laughs> Hamlet. Hamlet's a joke too. Like, dude, Shakespeare is great to read, but it is a nightmare to cheat or teach children. They are just like, I don't understand what the hell they're saying. <laughs> I bite my thumb at you. What? What? what are the... Teacher, what does he mean? He he he's flipping them off basically. Shut shut up and read, please. <laughs> God. But before we uh. God, it's noticeable that Matt isn't here, isn't it? Like we, we keep... yeah, it's hard to stay on track. <laughs> yeah, it's like we we are like one minute detours keep turning into five minute detours. Okay, I like but... these detours though. I like I'm taking the scenic route. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're taking the scenic route. Welcome to the scenic edition of the Pioneer Perspective. Um, you should probably edit the intro so it says that. Okay. But... So we've got the captain format, and the main thing that we do want to sort of, in that way, at least I kind of want to talk about, is first of all, the over-exaggeration to this. Okay, the Walking Dead promos suck, we get it. I've honestly gone to the point where I'm more annoyed at the community reaction now than I'm actually annoyed at the Walking Dead cards. Like, people have gone back and dug up, like, Mark Rosewater post from 2013. Like, give the man a break. Like, come on. You're just, Mm -hmm. we're at the point where we get it. Walking Dead cards bad. Okay. It's almost like, say, it's almost like that Bart Simpson meme, you know, like, say the words, Bart. It's like Walking (laughs) Dead. (laughs) Hey, welcome to the Pioneer Perspective, where we have our token (laughs) meme discussion for the third week in a row. Let's keep it going. It's just like say the word Bart Walking Dead bad. Yay! Like yeah. I get it. It's bad, but it's not that bad. Yay, someone post a print screen of 50ing with Soldier Stompy and Legacy with like Rick Statfast leader in it. That's like I get it. We all get it. Wizard gets it. Right? The the, the well, at message, this point they, I would hope so, yeah. I mean the message is clear, right? And we can go on about this and be angry about this and flame Mark Rosewater, who has probably like not that much to do with this. I mean, yeah, he tries to defend it. Obviously, he tries to defend it. He's community manager without being hired to be community manager. Like, I don't want this man's job at the moment. Like, the message is clear. Move on, people. Like, don't buy this. If you're playing commander, proxy it. But don't split up your community. 
and that's the main thing that it's going to be that I want to talk about after all these tangents. Stop splitting up your community over everything. It's just not worth it. Commander has such a great community, and there's so much content and Reddits and other websites and and like play groups and it's very proxy friendly and just commander is such a wonderful thing as a lot of people said it's probably like the future of paper magic to an extent now hopefully uh, that's not the case but if if magic struggles in the future for paper it's not going to be commander that's struggling like yeah don't ruin this by getting all these divisions in your community because it's just unnecessary like Come on, you're really going to like split everything up over five cards that people just proxy. And if they're going to be very popular, they're just going to be in like Commander Legends 2. Yeah, or and like, we know they're going to reprint them if they become popular, which I think at this point they're going to backpedal and just reprint them regardless of popularity. Um, I, I would already be certain... surprised if Wizards hasn't already been brainstorming over like, yo, what's the first time we can reprint these? Because it can't be Modern Horizons, because then there would be Modern Legal 2, which you probably don't want. So, like, probably, like, next Commander set that they can be in. Or the next Commander Legends. Just, they're going to be in. And if they're not, proxy them up. Whatever. There's someone on Reddit who made magic versions of these cards. So I think they took, like, names from, like, old flavor text and stuff, and they found some cool art. And they made these, and like the walker tokens are just named zombie tokens. And they made exactly these. Print them out, take them to your playgroup. Nobody cares. Like, stop being angry about this and stop ruining your great community over this. I will say, um, you mentioned the walker tokens getting changed in this person's mock up or whatever. I think when they do have a reprint, eventually of of these cards because like i said i think they have to at this point yeah they're going to um whether it's the god reverse godzilla type of thing and in effect however they do it as long as it's made and they fix it and they fix their mistake whatever they said if they will reprint them it will be done in a way that like you can't have like one as your commander and then one in the deck yeah like they will mention on the card or have this godzilla thing they will be treated as the same card i would recommend and hope that they have this foresight to do it. I think you immediately errata walkers to be zombie tokens. Like I don't not, actually know if they aren't, aren't they? They the way it's ruled now, it's a separate name. So like oh if you so have, like if you if you legions and their zombie tokens, you don't pick up the walker tokens. Yes, because the it's a considered a walker token. It is a zombie creature type on board. So if you have anything oh, okay, really it has re- a relevant to, yes, it is considered a walker token. It's not a zombie token. So they do need, I think, I mean, uh, um, unless someone can correct me if I'm wrong, um, I've already seen discussions on this before, and they're definitely called walker tokens, and they're named that. So I haven't seen anything to suggest that they're treated the same way as zombie tokens as far as the name name, name is concerned. Because um, I think that's been an issue as well, where they make walker tokens. So I think they need to errata walkers to just be, you know, a walker token is literally, might as well be the exact same name, technically, as a zombie token. They, they're treated the same. And I, th- I think this, to, to go back to this point, because again, we're the pioneer perspective, 
we've seen something similar happen in Pioneer when we got the first round of banning, unbannings, well, bannings, which turned out to be an unbanning, and Inverter was still legal when we got Oath of Nyssa. And we've seen Project Modern in recent years. And I think I think it was like a year old or something, Project Modern, where they wanted to get rid of Teferi and stuff. I'm just personally not in favor of these type of things, generally speaking, because it's like they didn't ban Inverter and people like immediately panicked and are like, oh, let's split the Pioneer community in two. And it's like, are you really yeah. going to split your community in two when it's at its smallest? Like, that seems like the absolute dumbest thing you can do. Instead of being like, oh, guys, we're a smaller community. Let's stick together. So we've still got enough of a community. We'll get through this. They're going to print new cards, ban cards. They're not going to let Pioneer die. It's an officially supported format that makes them money, granted, which like Commander especially, that makes them money, right? Let's stick together. It'll be fine. And then some people are going to split off and like start their captains or their, I mean, I don't have anything against the people who did Project Modern, right? And they wanted to make Project Pioneer. If that's what you want, fine. But consider the consequences for the game as a whole. And I think they might do more harm than good. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I think splitting up your player base is always a pretty bad thing. That's where I agree with you in the sense of disagreeing with the Commander's Quarters idea of this uh, this Captain Inception. Um, the one thing they, they did note in the video and things like that when they were explaining what Captain was and stuff, it I agree with you, it did feel like a meme at first, and then they went into... Uh, like It felt like an Onion video, is what is what it felt like. Perfect, yes. <laughs> and, yeah, so when they're going into it and they're saying like this is the captain's chair you can do that you can play from this and then you have the captain's attacks uh, if they have to get recast or whatever so and then they go into you know the reasoning behind the walking dead card bands and they say we unlike commander which this is actually a really big shot at um, well, just a stab at the commander's rules committee right yeah, exactly. And they say that they have integrity and things like that. It's why these cards are banned. And the admins got together, uh, actually, to, to kind of backtrack a teeny bit. The admins got together for the MTG at home Discord server, and we kind of discussed briefly about, do we need to make an announcement? Do we need to say anything? Do we need to address these Walking Dead cards? Um, we ultimately said no, because our commander community is in legacy community as well. Uh, and no one has a vintage community. I'm sorry. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it, it, does, it doesn't exist. You have to have quite a bit of money for that. People um, who still have like all their nice paper cards in vintage, like when the pandemic broke out, they all like bought an island and they're still playing vintage together <laughs> on that island. Like, that's what I imagine vintage players are doing right now. Vintage is too rich for Jeff Bezos, okay? It's, 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 it's just not He's worth He's like, I'm not buying into that. Jesus. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we don't have enough of a presence to, we felt, justify making an announcement. But if warranted, if we needed to or whatever, um, we had a written announcement ready to go stating that we aren't going to ban these cards. We have no say in how we approach gameplay uh, rulings and things like that. We refer to the rules committee or we refer to wizards. We're not here to dictate what you can and cannot play. As, as long as it's legal in the eyes of sanctioned events and quote unquote sanctioned, because obviously it's weird when you get to, you know, EDH and things like that, as far as what's sanctioned. 
So we have that perspective, of course, and of course it's the pioneer perspective. Hey, look at that. Um, I just don't agree with that approach being taken in this captain's format and taking the shot at the rules committee and saying, we have integrity, so we're banning these cards. And you're, again, you have every right to be upset. You truly do. And yes. I think I think everyone should be a little upset because I agree with the uh, with a moniker of this sets a dangerous precedent moving forward. Now the span and the the size of this quote unquote dangerous precedent varies from person to person, and is it as big as what people are making it out to be? Probably not. It's it's it, it has uh, been blown but, out of proportion a bit. But, the, but they're doing it now for legacy and commander. So you wait until they get something like this for standard. It's like they won't. Yeah, this will always you know, be. You know like, why they do it for thing. commander and legacy? It's because they don't give a crap about legacy anymore because it doesn't make them any money and it's effectively been sh shoehorned out for pioneer. Right. Yep. Let's be honest here. Pioneer was effectively their legacy replacement because they could still make money of Pioneer and they're no longer making money of legacy. And yeah, Commander... There's no they legacy print, masters or legacy yeah, horizons. And, and Commander, they print whatever the hell they want into Commander because it will sell anyway. Because the format is so big and so popular. And whenever Wizards makes a mistake, Commander just corrects it themselves. So they have one format they don't care about anymore, and one format that takes care of itself if they mess up. So that's where they're going to be experimental. They're not going to make a secret lair that prints like only for like half the world, because the rest of the world just literally can't get it, and that sells for a week, that that's going to be legal in modern till the end of time, which is an actual supported format. Of course yep. they won't. Like, hold your horses, people. Like, the end times aren't coming. I know it's 2020, and everything feels like the end times right now, but this isn't it. I would like to uh, make a quick addendum to what I stated about no Legacy Masters. Double Masters was effectively Legacy Masters. I'd like to just make that clear. You have things like Force of Will and stuff like that. Yeah, but is it aimed uh, at reprinted. Legacy or is it aimed at Commander? I think Force, both, of, Force of Will was a CEDH card too. And that's all true. legacy play all the legacy players have their forces by now. Yeah, that's true. But legacy players now get the fancy ones with the super cool artwork by um Therese, what's her name, that got basically oh, kicked out. Yeah, the oh oops person. Oh no, yeah. isn't the original by Therese and this new one? Yeah, but, I'm not sure. No, there's a there's but, a new one with Therese as well, like an alternate. Oh yeah, there, oh yeah, 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 you're right. Um, but, which I like, thought the art was beautiful. The I mean, was sure. Artwork. If they're gonna find a way to like, hey, we're gonna have this master set, let's put like a legacy staple in it so it sells better, of course they will. Yeah. But like But there but again, there is no definitive this is legacy horizons, this is legacy no, masters. I mean, there isn't I that. mean, we've already been printing um mechanically unique cards into legacy for years. And it's the commander precons. Yeah. So they're not actually doing anything different. It's just now, instead of it being in a commander deck that's like like criminally underprinted, it's in a secret lair. But it's a similar thing. Like True Name Nemesis was a really expensive legacy card for a very long time because it was printed in one, I think, already popular commander precon, and it wasn't reprinted for years. Mm -hmm. And then I think they put it in Battle Bond and like in Commander Anthology or something. Now, so the biggest difference though with that is at least. 
you can go to your LGS or you can go to Walmart or Target and pick up these Commander Precons or Commander products. Yeah, Maybe it's not Commander Legends so much, but the Secret Lair is only sold through Wizards and the Hasbro store and things like that. And it's not available in a lot of countries. Oh, yeah, sure. But the, the only groups. thing they did, they actually haven't done anything new in terms of carved design. The only thing they messed up more is the accessibility of the card. Well, yes. any, immers any immersion, because it's just different IP, which is just not fun. But like, the, the, it's it's not like they've taken as big of a leap as people think they've done. They're like, oh, this Walking Dead's thing coming out. Oh, Wizards effectively has sold magic to the highest bidder. No, they haven't. Like, calm down. And yeah. I think to loop back on the point of getting your community together, and I think we in our Discord have had a very nice example, and it actually played out only yesterday. Um, we had a thing going on in our Discord where a lot of the tournaments and stuff, we have talked about this, were based on North American times because we had mostly North American people. Now, our EU player base or EU time zone, or at least like similar to the European time zone player base has grown over the last like months. And there was a bit of a pickle going on. Like, how are we going to fit this together? Because we were a little bit afraid, like, hey, what if our like EU side would like slide off because we don't like we can't incorporate this very well so instead of like getting angry at each other and splitting up we made it work and now we have the eu and the na scene together and again that's time zone not that you have to be from any of those places um and we had our first eu event yesterday now yeah it was small but it was the first time and we're picking it up this is coming together it's all like coalescing into the invitational eventually and look at that we've worked out our differences we've stuck together and we have an awesome community because of it it would have been such a shame to mess this up and let it split itself up yeah. and this is sort of like a small scale example of what i do not want to have happen when i play edh if i want to play edh and i go into like either our discord or just to play edh discord which i think is the biggest one i don't want it to be to the point where instead of waiting three minutes for a for like uh, a game, I now have to wait 30 minutes while being yelled at for 50 minutes by people who play Captain because this has somehow become like like uh, with us or against us thing, which everything on the internet becomes nowadays. Like, I have I have a perfect mic drop for you, okay, Alex? Sure. You cannot simultaneously get upset with the ant, so did you ever see the stream a few days ago with them explaining in detail about their decisions regarding the secret lair, The Walking Dead? I haven't seen the whole thing. I did know that they banned the word cowards in the stream chat, so everyone started chat uh, started spamming wizards can block warriors, and I did think that was funny. But I love it. Um, so one of the reasons that the so one of the questions was why is this not silver bordered? And Mark also answered this on a separate like blog or whatever as well. And the answer that they gave as to why it wasn't silver boarded was because they felt it, for lack of a, a better word, cheapens the authenticity of the cards in the sense of like commander players and things like that. They were afraid that commander players and playgroups would say, no, you can't play with those cards because they're not really black bordered. They're not real in the game, like the Transformer cards, the My Little Pony cards, things like that. And people got upset about that being an argument. And there was like a poll, like people put online, even Saffron Olive put up a poll. I think Terrellian Community College put up something as well. 
saying, hey, commander playgroups, do you ever say you can't play to, to a friend or whatever in your playgroup if they're playing a silver bordered? And the majority of it said, no. Like, we don't, you, they can play. Why would we care? It's commander. We're having fun. And it's like one of those things, like, it's up to your playgroup, essentially. And they, they, people use that as an argument saying, well, they could have just been silverboard, whatever. You cannot simultaneously believe that argument while also yeah, like, saying you can't have your own playgroup. You can't be like, well, the rules committee sucks because they didn't ban it. Your playgroup can ban it. Yeah, your playgroup can say no. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, if you go into a sanctioned store, you can play with silver bordered cards. And then you're like, yeah, but my play actually like that's by default. Like you can even talk about that, right? Yeah. And yeah, as you said, a strong thing about Commander is the social format. And I think you make like the perfect point. Where it's like Commander is like the perfect dreamy format where everything is solved by the community because the community is so lovely, except when it suddenly isn't and screw wizards. Like yeah. you're using like the same argument for both directions. Come on. Now, I, I would like to end this topic on this last little bit. Alex, you and I, we are not downplaying what this means for magic and like how it is a negative thing in the grand scheme of things, this secret layer. We're not downplaying that at all. However, we are saying that it's blown out of proportion to an extent in the way that the toxicity has risen out of the player base and the division has occurred within the magic community. Because again... What's the biggest thing we say? You said it when we did the stream for the Pioneer Invitational. We've said it countless times on the cast. The whole thing about magic is the gathering. That's what we love about the game. I never would have met you or Matt or a lot of these people that I have come to grow really close with and enjoy like spending time with all you guys on this server, whether it's players who actually participate in regular tournaments, just shoot the shit with us and talk about the podcast or whatever. That's the biggest thing for me. I don't get to play magic that much between being on the admin team, working at my, like with my job, doing the podcast with you and just trying to just chill out and relax or hang out with friends outside of this kind of thing. I don't play magic that much anymore. And it does make me a little bit sad. However, I still have you. I have, I have Matt. I have all these other people, like I just mentioned to be able to talk to in general outside of just playing the game. Thanks to magic, the gathering again, it's the gathering. So for people to get so divisive with this game that we love so much over something, yes, it is a negative. But rather than divide the community further and create more divide to try to solve a problem, like how we approach the EU thing with our own server, if we come together and do something in a positive light to address a problem, it creates not only a better solution for the game, but a better solution for the player base and just our own ability to befriend one another or exist or coexist as a community. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, you're right. Like the the initial outrage was justified, like a hundred percent justified. But the worst reaction we can have to this stuff happening is to then damage ourselves as a community. It's the the worst reaction we can have to it. And that's what I, you and I see happening right now. And that's, that's what has us worried. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And, and it kind of comes like, to a lesser extent, you get these little petty arguments within these communities. And that's always going to be a thing with any competitive game. You have, you know, 
you want to nerf this, you want to ban that, you want to change this, this should never have been printed, this should never have been put into the game. Things like that will always occur. But when you're able to move past that and just come together and enjoy the game in general, and that's the reason we have these outrages or these reactions that we do, which can sometimes come off so harshly. Like there's that meme, like magic players get mad or upset about everything. And like, in a sense, sure, but like, it's because we love the game and we want this yeah. game to thrive and do well. And I want to see as many people that don't play magic play magic. I think it's such a cool game. And there's so many different things of the lore and thematics with all these different sets and things like, like Eldraine recently. We're going into Kaldheim with Vikings and stuff. We talked about that when we talked about the, the roadmap uh, for 2021, how you have essentially a Harry Potter, uh, a D&D. Uh, uh, Vikings like Kaldheim and then you have vampires and and werewolves like these are all things that like yeah we have the memes like oh it's yeah it's Harry Potter it's 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 uh Twilight Twilight whatever but that's still these are still things and properties whether intellectual properties or not that people get excited about and we had an uptick with Eldraine coming out in player base of new players um I'm sure we'll see the same happen next year even with D&D players like how many D and D players have you met in your lifetime? Because I know you're a pretty avid player that don't really play Magic, but they they know of it because obviously the tie-in with Wizards of the Coast owning both properties. Like how many people do you think are going to pick up Magic for the first time next year? Yeah, I mean, like most people I know were Magic players first, D and D players second, but there's definitely people who even like played play significantly less Magic nowadays. And when mm-hmm. they're hey D and D set, might pick it up again. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, it just, I mean, I said, magic is the best game ever made. Like, let's, and there's a lot of outside forces that are harming the game. Like, especially like going into the digital age hurts a physical card game. I mean, we see it right now, right? The physical side of magic is hurting because we're in a global pandemic, but it's the best game ever made. Let's please not damage it ourselves, right? Yeah. The, the circumstances around the game, like COVID, the fact it's not a digital card game, at least at its core, it's not a digital card game, is already like hurting Magic. So we should come together and heal Magic, not hurt it more. Yep, 100% agree. Like I've already been a part of like the Yu-Gi-Oh community. And not to say the Yu-Gi-Oh community is bad, but it's far more toxic at times than I've had, at least in my experience with multiple LGSs and things like that. Um, and online presence as well. It's always felt a bit more toxic than the Magic community is. Um, I mean, why can't we just be like the Pokemon community? Like, come <laughs> on. They are amazing. Like, of course, every community, like I said, every competitive game has its toxic, uh, toxicity. Like, look at League of Legends. It's one of the biggest <laughs> games ever. Oh, God. I've been playing League toxic. for about a decade, and good God. Hey, you want to you wanna know something that I've, uh, I've discovered? And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your mind. Well, League of Legends is not the most toxic competitive game with uh, our toxic like competitive player base in the world. Do you want to know what the right, most which, toxic which is? One is it? It's fucking Rocket League. Really? Go go play Rocket League. It is so so toxic. I've, I've only played it with friends. I've never actually played. Oh, okay, yeah. Go play. Randos. Go play with randoms. Go go spend a day <laughs> playing Rocket League with randoms. And especially if you're like having an off day, because Rocket League is one of those games where like you can kind of have an off day with like League of Legends or like Siege and things like that, and still do okay if you're naturally good. If you have an off day at Rocket League, you just outright suck. Yeah, (laughs) and people flame you for it, and it's it's pretty bad. Wait, you didn't actually just fly all the way across the stadium and hit the ball? 
Like, no. God. Like, when I still, I mean, I feel like an old man saying this. When I played Rocket League, people were still discovering how to do the whole flying thing. And now I see, like, highlights on Reddit, and I'm like, this is not the same game. Yeah, it's it's no longer driving. It's 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 flying. It's flying. Yeah, <laughs> and it's impressive what people can do. And I've, I'm okay. Like I'm not the best at it. But like, there was a time where I stopped playing Rock League for like a year and a half, picked it up again, and then I started playing. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna suck for a bit. And I and then I'm just like, but the community oh, does not allow you to be bad. Oh God, this is horrible. I hate everything. I'd rather go play League. I really would. <laughs> but I hate sucks. League. I played I played Heroes of the Storm for a while because I sort of wanted like the more like casual ish just play some games for fun type of setting, and I came back to play the game of League and it was an ARAM which means all random all mid and you just get mm-hmm. random champions and there's one lane you just do whatever right it's very casual and I immediately got flamed and told to end my own life and I'm like I'm back baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's like I never left exactly. now on the contrary do you know what the best player community is in the world that i've ever been a part of well for any game left for dead left for dead is phenomenal with meeting randoms i've also only played that with friends like see sometimes i'm lonely sometimes i play i play online with random people i've never met i mean i mean we have always just enough to get together a group i mean no 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 you have left for dead i would love to play left for dead at a time yeah, I'll play. Um, wait, so do you have an Xbox or PC? Uh, PC. Okay, I'll, I can. I think I own them on PC. I'd have isn't, to crank out. Isn't, my... isn't Left 4 Dead the one that's free through the Epic Store, or at least used to be free? Because uh, that's where I have it. Uh, I don't know. Um, I have. I know I have both that's of the, them. That's the only reason I have the Epic Games. games. That's the it, only one. It I has the, the it has the hand games. with the four on the cover. It's yeah, green. Just, very quickly you have you have the special infected against the zombies you have like the tank the smoker the hunter um the boomer that like throws up on people and attracts yeah, the board i'm pretty sure you got like yeah the gas guys right for example the uh touch the image that's the correct way of go this capture is strange uh there's a tank oh, that looks like it's on steroids fine. and chasing yeah. after you and uh, you get like, the dramatic like if... music that kicks in yeah, but you've got like the the sort of jumpers, right? You walk around the, the corner hunter. and they're kind of camping there, and then they suddenly yeah. like pounce on you. Yeah, and they're a little hoodie, and they just start smacking the hell out of you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. I've got the same game. I'm sure. Okay, so yeah, Left 4 Dead's great. Uh, I've never met a toxic person in Left 4 Dead, and I used to play that game online a lot. Oh, you know what? That's why you only play co-op. I played a lot of versus on Left 4 Dead online. Versus is the you can play as the infected. That's the actual PvP, right? Yeah, you, you you can you have your survivors, you go through the same campaign levels, but you get to spawn on the other side as infected. Like well, you, you get to play you as play the hunter. Through the normal campaign levels, except you can play the infected. Yeah. Against awesome. against other people that are playing as the survivors, like the main Okay, I have now discovered something that I have just literally never done. Okay, I'm gonna have yeah, to it's get, great. get more hours like, out of game and then when and then when a tank would spawn it randomly picks one of the people like on the affected and it's like hey do you want to be a tank and you're like do i and you hit, you hit accept and you start running around as a tank throwing rocks at people it's great <laughs> flipping over cars like i yeah left 4 dead is one of my all-time favorite games and yeah i played a lot of verses i made a lot of um friends on xbox live through left 4 dead uh wonderful community 
so much fun. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I'll be down to play. Cool. That and Portal. Portal's a lot that, of fun. That's also just another thing, right? That through the community here, I mean, sort of like shout out to the MTG at home community. I think we've seen people set up D and D campaigns here. Uh, I think people are playing Among Us together, which is like obviously yeah. the new meme. Uh, which I'm sure we're gonna at one point have like an admin Among Us game. I'm technically not an minus, admin, but I minus am. I am one, in... Yeah, minus one. There, there is one admin that uh, has like genuine PTSD with Among Us because he was in a line of work and he had a, he had a work environment that was a lot of like lying and being two faced with a lot of coworkers to mm. like almost like politically. So playing Among Us makes him feel like he's back in that scenario, and he's like, nope, can't do it. Not fun All for right. me. So not with that person. So that person we're going to invite <laughs> to play Left 4 Dead with. Yeah. Right? And like, it's great. It's the gathering. Community yeah, exactly. Community is important, especially in these times, right? Where we sit at home and I've been sitting at home for three days working and looking forward to two more days at sitting home working. It's nice to have interaction. Of course. And it's it's nice to not pitch people against each other over loving the same game, which is just weird. Yeah, again, that's that's what it just boils down to. If we're passionate about the game that we love, why are we going after each other's throats in this scenario? It's like, why... we're, not, we're not all football slash soccer fans. We don't have to be on a team. We're on the same team here. We're yeah. on team magic. That's it. Yep. If only uh, most political uh, you know, environments were the same way. Oh, hell no. I don't want teams. We're we're all part of the same country, right? We want it the best for our country. Whatever. Fuck that shit. Um yeah, I think this is a uh, a good place to end on a nice sour note going into political things. As a sour <laughs> note of Brad hating the country he lives in politically. Uh, I just I want I want us to get a I I look, okay, I'm going to go on a very 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 brief tangent. I think it's so goddamn stupid to have an answer to a question you haven't heard yet. It's ridiculous. I am team blue. I am team red. Immediately, before you even tell me what it is I want to know, I already have an opinion. But why? Why, why don't you have opinions based on the contextual you know, ideas surrounding it or the variables involved in what's going on? No. No, no, no. This bad. It's it's polarizing, right? Like we have it in in every community. You see, it, it even happens in magic. But it is you see it all in politics. It's like you're with me or you're against me. It's like yep. there's a there's a middle ground there, buddy. Like yeah, I don't in, have to, in, the fact that I disagree with you doesn't mean that I hate you and I don't want to work with you. Yes, like just can we get along? Can we can we work together to achieve a common goal rather than try to divide the community to pick a side and ultimately try to achieve the same like that's the funny thing right both sides even when we have this divisive thing even if we're going back to magic politically or not it's both sides want the same goal right they want what's best for at least in their mindset what's best for the community what's best for the country or whatever you want to word it and they just go in this like long way about it it's like the rick and morty thing where it's like that's just slavery with extra steps where they go into like the car battery and all that. God, I have hardly ever watched Rick. I've watched like a few episodes of Rick and Morty, and one of them was that one with the snakes, and it was yeah. so funny. 
I should probably watch more of that episode. I had a friend of mine, <laughs> and he is um, he is an absolutely fantastic guy. But when it comes to like understanding plot lines when watching movies or series, he's not that good at it. The That's easiest way to dem- the easiest way to demonstrate is he lost track of the plot of the plot watching three hundred. Ah. So he was sitting, and it's only the time travel one, right? With the snakes, where like endless snakes keep spawning from different universes. And he yeah. was so confused. Like, Am I the, end, the same episode I, anymore? Yeah, I had to kind of spend like a couple minutes explaining to him like what sort of time travel paradox they were like making fun of here. And it's like, oh. I should probably watch another time, and I think it's way funnier. <laughs> it, it's like back in uh, Back to the Future, where he goes back in time to bang his mom. You know, it's just, it's just like that. <laughs> oh, Back to the Future is such a great classic, but it is it, so strange when you it, didn't yeah. they go to twenty eighteen or something? Was it like they a couple 20, years ago? Um, they went to twenty fifteen, I think. Well, you could draw the comparison, like. I think this is like a general, like, what have we learned about making movies that involve time travel? Don't jump, like, 30 years ahead, because you're going to be so wrong. <laughs> Just jump 200 years ahead, and then you can make up whatever you want. I think Star Trek is getting close to present time, too, right? Like, Star Trek is set in, like, 2040 or something? Yeah. Well, no. Is it? I thought it was I thought it was Star Trek that was also set in like fairly like coming times, which like the world is not gonna look that way by the time we get there. Yeah. Well I mean go back to the back in the future though. I mean the, the only option to... is in, in twenty fourteen, um God, who is the actor who plays Captain Picard? How have I forgotten his name? Oh, plays uh, Professor X to Yeah, Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, Patrick Stewart. I mean with the way he looks, he might still be alive in twenty forty, which would it's make all something that Earl about Grey Star tea Trek. Drinks. Yeah, it, it which might make something about Star Trek still canon when you go there. Yeah, but Captain Picard is here. I but when it comes man. to uh Back to the Future though, they go so it's it takes place in nineteen eighty five is the present time that's set in, correct? It's eighty five. So, yeah. Um well, I'm more so asking correct rhetorically because I know for a fact it's 85. Oh, they I go, don't. I, they go I back. Don't. They go back to 1955. 30 oh, so years it's prior. 30 years forward. 30 years. Backwards. Yeah, exactly. So I think this is the writers going like, yeah, yeah, make it easy. Make yeah, it easy. Go nice and uniform. And then they go, then like they go back to 1855. And... 1855. So then they can make a time. That's jump the to... that's the third one. Or no, is it 1885? No, 1885 because the railroad. Yeah. It's, it's post Civil yeah. War. So then they could have jumped to 2085. Did they ever? I, I think it's been over a decade since I've seen Back to the Future. Well, they've only so... made three of them. The third one sucks. Yeah, but um... I've seen them like a very long time ago because I watched because we went to a video store. I think we bought at the same time we bought Jurassic Park and Back to the Future because I was like 10 at the time and I think my brother was like 12, 13. Depends what time of year it was. And we were like, wow, dinosaur movie. And then my parents were like, wow, classic movie from when we still went to cinemas. <laughs> and okay, then we ended you, up watching Back to the Future first. And I did didn't you receive, get it at the time. Did you get nightmares from uh, Jurassic Park? Mate, I love Jurassic Wait, I think if That's I move technically aside, a horror movie. You know that, can right? You, can you see that? Like, can you see that poster behind me? Yes, I, I see it. It's, it's, it's Ian Malcolm. Yeah. yeah, like it's it's literally like it's because I've seen 
Jurassic Park so often. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And like that, life um, life finds finds a way. way. That's literally like my life motto. Whenever like shit goes wrong and they're like, how do you kind of, how do you even kind of keep your cool? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Life finds a way eventually. Let's just roll with it. Well, that's it, well. Jurassic Park is supposed to be a horror movie. Have you ever read the book? Really? No, I haven't yeah. actually. The I book prob- it's by Michael Crichton. Um, he I probably should because I love fantastic. the movies. It, yeah, so the book is ten times better than the movies. It explains, that is going to be a really good book. Yeah, it explains a lot better with the in-gen core thing with like um like the whole they they touch on it a little bit in the movie. Where there's this, uh, there's the rival company with uh, Hammond's company that's, and they're doing all the science, like BS or whatever, and they're trying to steal like the the uh, the embryos and things like that. Mm-hmm. It goes into that way more detailed than the movie does because the movie just kind of glosses over it, which it's a way bigger plot point in the book that actually needs to. It's relevant to how everything happens in the movie, so they it's still essentially based on the way the plot works in the movie, it's just as big of a plot point as in the book, yet they take out all of it, all the information regarding it. And you're just kind of like, um, like, what? Because <laughs> they barely gloss over it. Now, there are elements from both the second and third movies that are actually from the book that they just split for some reason. Like, you know the whole pterodactyl uh, containment area in the third movie? Yeah, yeah. That's that's a big plot point in the book, the first book. I mean, um, do they also have the thing in the in the book? I suppose no spoiler. I'm not going to spoil it for myself. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'll just yeah. The I'll get around to reading amazing, this amazing, amazing book. And if you I'm not a, I'm not chance, a big reader, but I will try and get around to reading this book. I, I think once I get into it, like I I am really not a big reader, but. Once I've gotten like into a book, I can finish it in like two days because I just don't want to do anything else. So I probably have to wait till I have like holiday and not much to do. Yeah. And then I could just sink into this book for two days. Also, the book does get fairly graphic at times as far as like injuries and like getting mangled and all that good stuff. Like there's a wonderful scene in the very beginning of the book of like construction workers on like El Nora or El La Nora, whatever one of the islands in the Costa Rican like area is. Great book. Couldn't recommend it more than most books. There's a very few books that I'll recommend so highly. Um the Dark the Dark Tower series by Stephen King is one of those. Seven I've heard books. The movie is crap. The movie is like garbage. People who have watched the, the movie are like, this is so shit compared to the book. Well, that's because the movie takes place in an alternate universe of the same thing of the books. They're not direct adaptations of the books. They're considered canon to the to the books itself, but an alternate timeline. Which so is that's just, just stupid. an excuse to make things bad. Yes. Um, like, I'm going to call it alternate timeline because that is so much easier to get around like all the mistakes I'm going to make in making this movie. Yeah. If you've ever read any other Stephen King books, though, they are there are references to other stories and other books that he's had in the Dark, the Dark Tower series because they go through different dimensions. It's really cool. Um, that and The Long Walk which is Stephen King writing under the pen name of Richard Bachman. Um, yeah, great. Great book. Like, it's a bit slower. It's a lot more dialogue-based. Um, but the premise is cool. Basically, you have a bunch of teenagers, like 15, 16, 17, and they are, they're in, a, like, a dystopian future where, like the, gov- like, the government runs this contest 
called The Long Walk. And it starts in Maine, of course, because that's where Stephen King lives. So all of his books are based in Maine if they can be. Um, starts in Maine and they literally have to walk on foot through all, like basically like with a military escort and like roads walked out and stuff like that. It's a big televised event from Maine, like all the way down in like the Bible Belt. Like it's very much a long walk. Now, the idea is you want to have a winner and the winner gets anything they want. Anything they can possibly imagine, they ask the government and it will be supplied to them. Very simple. The catch is there's 100 contestants that win their raffle to get into this, uh, this long walk. You have three strikes. If you slow down, stop, stumble, anything like that, you get a strike. Every eight hours, I believe, 12 hours, your strikes reset. If you are to unfortunately get three strikes before your hours reset, or they reset at any point, you are shot and killed on site. <laughs> and the whole book is about all these teenagers, all, and they're all men, walking together, becoming friends, but knowing that they're all going to die except for one. It's inevitable. And the winner gets whatever he wants. And you follow the main character, of course, and things like that. But it's very different from a normal Stephen King book. And it, it is like, amazing. It sounds less horror and more just like edge of your seat, like exciting. Oh, yeah. It's great. Which like, is more is my great. thing, because as we talked about last week when we went on our podcast is over, but we just keep talking tension. <laughs> I'm not good with horror. So when I heard, oh, this Stephen King book, and I'm like, nope. But this actually sounds like I could read it. And it's not it's, long. It's uh, and Even it's, the name is The Long Walk. It's like 300 pages. That's long enough for me. I mean, there's things like Stephen King's It, where it's like over a thousand pages, and you're like, uh, this is 400 pages of you setting up characters I'll never see again to give me the background of the town of Derry. Thank I'll, you so much, Stephen. I'll be honest, uh, aside from like books that like, I would say like are targeted at children, like sort of like more proper adult books, I think I have literally, I think I can count them on both hands. The books that you've read. I am terrible. Like, I really I read like reading pretty much nothing. I think I haven't read like a proper book in like four years. Uh, that's not true. I read, um, I think it was a book by a man. I think it was like a, I think it was called reasons to live, which sounds mm -hmm. like, wait, were you that depressed that you read that? No, but it was about a man who had depression. <laughs> and like, I think it was like how he dealt with it and like went through in his life, which was a very interesting read. And I'm reading a book at the moment, but very slowly on um, misconceptions about autism, which is a very interesting book. But overall, like anything story-wise, I, I read a book about Europe and a book about the Eurozone a couple of years ago. So you see, like, I'm like the, the most <laughs> thrilling reads. And then I think six or seven years ago, I read a book based in the Warcraft universe. And that is pretty much all the reading I've done in like years. Yeah, I try to read as often as I can. I haven't been able to read in the, over the last like year as much as I'd like to. Um, I used to try reading like a book a month, like 
just try to get cool. through it and, and like i, I it, it was it would help me fall asleep instead of like you know looking at my phone or whatever or like watching a movie or something like that i could just read and like the reading would make me tired because it's not this bright harsh yeah. light on your eyes and then it just you can easily fall asleep to it no my my girlfriend reads more than a book a week and i don't know how she does it like she must have a lot more time than i do <laughs> or well she just i mean doesn't she doesn't play video media. games she okay, doesn't play fair. video games, so that that probably helps a lot, right? In the in the reading department. Oh, another book series, big book series I've read. I read The Hunger Games, and yeah, I can fine. So, oh, I would like if anyone wants to read it, stop after the first. The second one's is... okay. The second one's okay. I mean, it's been long enough, right? That like we can talk about this like very briefly, and then we do have to wrap it up because I do also have other obligations in life, like sleep. Um, oh no, you don't. So obviously, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> obviously how the book works, and everyone knows, they've seen the movies, you get thrown into an arena. The first book is the best book story-wise. The second book, I think mainly the arena is awesome. Like, them figuring out, like, how the arena works. Like, sort of works like a clockwork and that sort of thing. Like, how they figure that out is really cool. Everything else is awful. After, like, the second second book near the end of the second book because the further you go in the books the more you get into not into the story but just in Katniss's head and god she's annoying <laughs> so that the further you go in the series you more you go into her thoughts and her thoughts are awful to read so that's I think, unfortunate like, I think the second half of the third book is almost exclusively just what she thinks and what her opinion is on things. And it's just like, I don't care. I, I really mm. don't. <laughs> I don't know if you had the same experience. You said it was cool, so I'm going to assume you read it. I, I read them in high school. No, I'm sorry, like middle school transition to high school. Um, so. Oh, yeah, this was a long time ago for me, too. Yeah. So I might be recalling oh, the details wrong. Side note. But yeah, I do like, I, I thought they were fine. Like they weren't anything amazing or like groundbreaking. It's just like, it was a fine read. It was a, it was a nice young adult read kind of thing. Yeah. Else. Like I, I think I was 16. I read him on a holiday <clears throat> in Portugal or something. It's like, yeah, it's fine. Now I have one last book recommendation for you. Okay. It has actually been created into a wonderful HBO series. They did make a movie about it years ago. That was horrible, but they've since corrected it with this wonderful little mini series. His Dark Materials, The Golden Compass, The Ember Spyglass, and The Subtle Knife are the three. Fan-fucking-tastic books. Amazing books. Like, the, the premise is so hard to explain. It's, like, really, like, dystopian, steampunky, like, future kind of thing. But, like, also... I about The Golden set... Compass. They had the movie, right? It's just a polar yeah. bear. That's yeah, all I was, remember. The yeah, poster with bad. the polar bear. Yeah, that was so bad. But they have you have this like multi-dimensional thing of worlds and stuff. And there's like, of course, it's there's his dark materials, which is like this grand. Think of him basically like a big wizard, for lack of better words. Um, and then like these materials kind of link the worlds together, or like it's really cool. I recommend reading it. Um for a book aimed at younger like adults, similar to like things like uh you know, Twilight, Hunger Games, Harry Potter, stuff like that. Um, except probably shouldn't include Twilight because that's just really it was fan fiction, right? That would delve into it, it, it started off as fan fiction, didn't it? Yeah, it did. If it was something fan fiction that became its own thing. I don't remember what it was based on. I really don't. 
Anyway, yeah. His Dark Materials, fantastic. Those three books, The Golden Compass, Subtle, uh, The Amber Spyglass, and Subtle Knife, those are easy reads. They're all like two, 300 pages long. So they're not that hard to kind of get through. Really great. Wonderful to read. Um, and I'm not even into that kind of like setting that much. I just was like very entranced in the world that they build. But obviously, Alex, you need to go to bed. I need to eat. I haven't eaten today. So I should probably go do that. And, so yeah, uh, I, I think I think this is gonna have to be renamed. Uh, every episode that doesn't feature Matt should probably be like the scenic road of the Pioneer Perspective. Yeah, I, I'll be sure to put that in the timestamps. Um, like last I think, week's, I put it. Uh, we're we're a movie podcast now, or something like that, in the timestamps. I think we've gone for like two and a half hours, and I think we've had about an hour and a half of magic, which is still like more than half is magic. So. I think, that's good I, I, th- I think it's closer. It was around 6.30 when we went on this tangent. So I think it's the last 30 minutes is where... Yeah, okay. So we've had about two hours. Maybe Which when is... we cut, it's a little bit less. It's been under two hours of magic, and the rest is off-topic. That's fine. But I mean, considering those... our off-cast conversations, this is still, like, way on track to be more about magic yeah, than our normal I, conversation. I, I agree. <laughs> well... For those of you who have managed to stick with us for this long and actually enjoyed listening to the off-topic discussions, thank you for sticking around. Thank you for listening. And uh, we are just, like I said, we're always happy to have people, you know, hop in the server. We will always have that link down in the description. So if you want to play some Paper Magic with us, which I didn't do this in the beginning of the episode, like I normally do, but yeah, play Paper Magic with us. Uh, We are the MTG at Home uh, official podcast. Cool. It's fun. We like magic. Like I said, we're very passionate. We love this game. We love hanging out. And of course, we may like magic, you and I, Alex, but we have other other, um, interests we obviously have been discussing for the last half hour. (laughs) So if you join the uh, server, it doesn't have to be purely for playing magic. You can just talk with us and we enjoy listening to new people and uh, meeting new people. So yeah, again, thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for everyone that was involved in the Reddit uh, uh, thing or whatever that I put up the post and the questions oh. I ask every week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pio per, uh, Perspective. You can follow me at Brad Suffer. Although, if you don't want to see anything about sports, I recommend not following me. I retweet a <laughs> lot of things about sports. Um, otherwise, Alex, I don't know if anyone has anywhere to follow you or talk uh, to you no I, I i don't well I, ha- I have a twitter but it's still like private from when i did teaching and i haven't been on twitter since so i'll uh maybe maybe when we get like a little bit more into this i might just make like a magic dedicated twitter if i ever like do more content than this because we have like channels and we're trying to get more content created through this discord so maybe yeah maybe i'll have my own Twitter. maybe i should do that for next podcast i'll have my my magic twitter and i can plug myself have you seen my uh, the name of my Twitter? Obviously, the at name is Bradsiver, but have you seen the other uh, old name? No, I haven't, actually. So it's a braid, like the card of braid. Oh, that's nice. And a it's a.brad.e. And then the picture is, I think I sent you that a while ago. It's a picture of me over the face of the locust god uh, <laughs> on the card of braid. <laughs> this is my picture. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much for everyone listening. We're going to stop talking now. Otherwise, this is going to go into another 30 minutes of Twitter headers and things like that and Twitter pictures. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
actually making it to the real end. This is almost like M. Night Shyamalan, right? We get the plot twist at the end. For the real ending, next week, instead of our normal pre-recorded podcast, which we tend to record on about Tuesday or Wednesday, we're actually going to do a live-streamed podcast recording on Sunday, which is uh, the timing should be about... 1 or 2 p.m., close to yeah. that. It, One or two PM, I think I think is... we'll stick officially with let's go with like one thirty, uh, Eastern yeah. time. And we'll definitely announce it on the Twitter too. So <clears> if you follow us on the Twitter, it's probably going to be mentioned on the Discord too, or yep. will be mentioned. I'll, on the Discord I'll put too. a post on the subreddit for both the Discord subreddit of uh, which is r slash Magic at Home, as well as putting it on the Pioneer uh, subreddit, which is obviously r slash I think Pioneer MTG, or maybe I have that the other way around. Yeah, Pioneer MTG. Cool. So, yeah. so if you want to join us, ask some questions, give some opinions, uh, chime in, or maybe tell us off when we go off topic again, um, be sure to join us next week Sunday on our live recording. And uh, see you there. Sounds good. All right, Craig, get the fuck out. <laughs>